0: Hello and welcome to Zack Attack. We're never going to be better than this. This is episode 33, The Disaster Artist from 2017. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. We, we got a sponsor
1: for this episode. Um, we've been getting sponsors at Too Fast Too Forever. <laughs> Today, our sponsor is, is Primark, uh, the UK clothing retailer. If you oh Primark, if you didn't want to buy this, it's bullshit. You did not
0: oh Primark, <laughs> shop there. <laughs> did you guys get my Did you guys get my picture? Uh, yeah, yeah we did. And I'm laughing at the picture. Okay. We also we have a mystery third person that we have not introduced yet. Is this have anything to do both before we uh, before we introduce our guest? Does this uh, does Primark have anything to do with American fashions? It does. It's not uh, a
1: World fashions. But um, they have some really good cheap clothes. Have you guys ever been to a Primark?
2: No, I- I've been to a Tesco's and it was very exciting.
0: Did you get your gift cards? I did get the gift card. You, uh, we had Primark, you, you asked Primark for three gift cards. Yeah. The two for the host and one for the guest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our guest today, before Go we asked him if he got his gift card, is the host, the creator, the genius oh. mind behind the Now and Again podcast, which both Joe and I have been on. Uh, he's never been on a Zack Attack before. He just admitted to us that he's only listened to one episode, which is still yeah. one more than I would have thought. Same. Chris Mattiello. Hello, Chris.
2: Hello. How are you guys?
0: Good. Wonderful. Now, did you get your Primark gift card from our sponsor, Primark?
2: I did. I did. I spent it on an Oasis album, actually. Oh, oh.
1: yeah. Very So, nice. Joey, if you if you haven't been to Primark yet, there's one at King of Prussia. It's like okay. it's kind of like an H&M, but it also has like home goods and music stuff apparently
2: uh, i don't know i have i just knew it was a british store and i made something up and hoped it was close
1: it sounds close it, it yeah does sound close. I, your store must have had an oasis album in it that's yeah
0: perfect for us good job Prim- i used if the, you uh, want to shop there
2: primark.co.uk so
0: oh primark <laughs> yeah so this is our first episode we're recording of zach attack since the zephy's yeah so in months Months. Joe much more sober tonight than he was with the Zephy So that's a step in the sober. right direction. I am. Those
2: were great. Remember when um remember when Warren Beatty came up and tried to give the, the Zephy to um the Paperboy, but it was the wrong movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> he yeah. tried to give it to La La Land. He thought he was doing boyfriend material, but it was actually Zephy's. Right. So yeah, whoops. he was so confused. Whoops, Mr. Warren Beatty. Yeah, no, but our our Zeffy's went off without a hitch. As long as you consider editing like a hundred minutes down to like sixty five without a hitch, just because it was like drunken babble, drunken babble, drunken babble. Yell at Rachel. Yeah. Go downstairs <laughs> to pay. Come back upstairs. Talk about cutting boards. It was rowdy. Zephy's. It was a good. It, it actually yeah. sounded a lot. I
1: was nervous. When I heard it, but your editing skills are immaculate. Well, Industry you, awards thank you, thank you.
2: should always be like a wild time, you know. Yeah. Like yeah, if, absolutely. If a member of Rage Against the Machine isn't on top of like the set, or uh, there's not like a naked person running by the stage wearing soy bomb on his chest, like it's it's fucked up.
1: Yeah,
0: that was me. You know, Joe. I was thinking. So actually, so, okay. So here. So since we've last recorded a Zack attack, you and I have started our three new podcasts. We started Too Fast You Forever. Yes. Magic Mike's The Channing Tatum podcast. That one too. And Boyfriend Material, mm-hmm. The Ryan Gosling podcast. Yep. We have award shows planned for both Boyfriend Material and Magic Mike's. Our goal, I was just thinking about this this week. We need to find someone to be our Vanna White, essentially, the Jess Montez role for those shows. Like, it could be Jess. Could be. But it feels like through the first couple months of these podcasts, she's not been as enthused as she was with Zack Attack. Fair. She's been busier. But I'm wondering if someone's going to step up and become the Gosling or Channing superfan, and we're going to invite them on to be our third wheel and sort of present the fans' choice awards and give some uh, expert insight into whether or not we picked the right people. I think we should just get the real Van White to do it. Oh, that's cool. like We'll get I it like sponsored that. by Wheel of Fortune, and we'll have Vanna White come on. Now, Chris, you would know this probably better than most people I know. Oh. Pat Sajak's kind of a lunatic, right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He's a right-wing uh, chud. Yeah, oh, really? but
0: is Vanna White? neutral, or is she also crazy?
2: I think she still has that contract she signed from, like, 1986, where she's not allowed to speak.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh cool. Okay. Nice. So,
2: I don't know if she's, a, I think she's contractually obligated to not have opinions and just turns letters.
1: Do you have one of those contracts that I can give to Rachel?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I thought when you guys were talking about that, that this was, like, one of those two-person conversations where they're clearly talking about the third person who's in the room. I'm I'm, I'm relieved that it was not actually that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can't take another job on. I could barely get one episode of my stupid show out.
0: <laughs> well, do you um, have a million-year contract we could sign? Because I know some of those are going around.
2: I have one of those Bret Hart contracts that you're not going to be able to actually pay me on, so I'm going to go to a competitor in a couple of years.
0: Whoa, okay, okay, okay. And then get, okay, then get okay. concussed
2: and have to retire.
0: R.I.P. Is he alive or is he dead?
2: He's alive. He's one of the few. I think there's like three wrestlers left alive, and he's one of them.
1: Stone Cold. We had a lot of conversation about Stone Cold yesterday. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so okay.
0: so this episode's going to come out on March 13th. Two days ago, if you have not listened to it yet, go listen to the Magic Mike's episode about Supercross, where we have a long Segway. tangent and uh, a through line about Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stunnered. Stunnered by Channing Tatum.
2: Yeah. Oh man, I'd watch that.
0: <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah, dude. It was good. Go ahead. We have Chris here on the podcast tonight because the movie we're talking about is The Disaster Artist, which is the film adaptation of the book The Disaster Artist, which is based on the making of The Room, the 2003 film written, directed, produced, and starring Tommy Wiseau, widely considered to be one of the worst films ever made. It reached cult status because people loved how bad it was. There's this mystery. There's this aura behind Tommy Wiseau. Nobody knows where he's from. Nobody knows how he made his money. He's from New Orleans. You know, he paid for a billboard for five years to promote his movie. And so it became this thing. Greg Sestero plays Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, Primark in the movie. Shout out to Primark. He wrote a book with Tom Bissell, who has written a couple other books. He's a really good, acclaimed author about the making of The Room. And it intercuts... The making of the room behind the behind the scenes with sort of this narrative, this like flashback narrative of like when he's growing up with Tommy and his relationship with Tommy. And so that book became very successful and very popular. James Franco became enamored with the Tommy Wiseau story, and then he went and made this movie, starring and directing this movie, just like Tommy did, to be the making of the room, sort of based on the book, but My biggest problem with the movie, and I'm sure I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys think, it really, I mean, it, it sort of has to, but it really, really oversimplifies the book's narrative. Yes. And I feel like what was once a really interesting character study of a kind of a madman and this mysterious guy becomes this movie where like the Judd Apatow crew just sort of like goofs around and makes fun of a guy and in theaters it kind of plays as this like weird broad comedy when I was watching Alone it, like it's sort of this more sort of depressing character study but I feel like they I still wish that they went deeper, as opposed to just sort of, like, making a joke of it and a spectacle of it all.
2: There were a lot of choices I didn't understand. Like, why, if you're gonna have someone play, first off, why James Franco, and why is he gonna do an accent to play Brie Larson? And why are you casting someone so much older in The Little Franco to be Jacob Tremblay? And it wasn't really about being tortured in a room at all. Um, I was thoroughly (laughs) confused. by how this movie works. <laughs> uh, um, didn't. Maybe you guys can clear this <laughs> uh, up for me, because I didn't I didn't really understand what happened at all.
1: I love your Brie Larson joke, thank you. But oh, I really the room, the agree room. with you that, like, in the book, it's it's <laughs> more of a reflection of, like, Tommy's personality, and, like, you really yeah. see how, how he was making the movie. And you're absolutely right. Like, in The Disaster Artist, the movie, it's more like Seth Rogen and them just, like... Everybody is taking shots at, like, how fucked up this movie is, and it's just, like, yep. like satire of making
0: the movie, so. Which is true, yeah. but, like, it's so much more complicated than the movie lets on, and I know that you have to simplify because, like, you can't really have, like, Mark or, you know, you can't have Greg Sestero move down to L.A. and then Tommy come, like, a year later or whatever. Yeah. You can't really spend all his time watching Greg go through, like, becoming an actor and then going off to Europe for a while. Yeah. You can't have Tommy firing person after person after person. I know you have to simplify it, but it still feels like it's just this guy who, like... The movie kind of makes it feel like he had his shit together and just, like, couldn't like couldn't talk to people. But, like, it was neither of those things.
2: I think the best comparison to make, uh, and if you haven't seen this movie, why? Because uh, it's, it's amazing. But Ed Wood is, I think, the movie that this most felt like it wanted to be.
0: Sure, yep. Mm-hmm. But
2: failed spectacularly. And I I kind of, I'll say it up front, I kind of liked the disaster artist when I left it, and have liked it less and less the farther I've gotten away from it.
0: Yeah, I can agree
1: with that, yeah.
2: They try really hard to humanize Tommy Wiseau, which, okay, a a running line throughout the book is how, A, like, this mystery behind him, and kind of how, like, oddly, hair trigger and, like, occasionally dark and threatening he is and they give us these really tiny hints at that uh, but they never really go in the full direction that they have to to make this anything but a bunch of friends like essentially what larson did put on a play of the room in in new york city like this is just a bunch of pals Mm -hmm. putting on the room for their other pals and it it doesn't tell the story that it should have and i was disappointed by that tremendously because the book is doing something else and the, i mean we'll get to the ending but the ending really is the capstone on how this movie tries to have its cake and eat it too and just misses the mark
0: oh the ending of the movie is terrible like it's condensing it's not how years. the book it's not how the book ends at all right like it's not how life was it's it's condensing years of follow up into the opening night and it's fake and it's artificial and it just doesn't work, I don't think. Yeah, you guys are making me more depressed about it, but you're
1: right, like, now that I'm on my second or third watch of the movie, I wanted I wanted more, for sure. I definitely wanted more Zeph in it, because I think Chris R. is a great character in the original movie, in the book, in everything, and you just get, like, a nice snippet of him, so... Yeah, I I definitely agree. Well, I'm glad you brought that
0: up because let's let's get let's cheer things up a bit because I really do think, and I don't think it's the bias of this podcast, but I really do think that Zac Efron is the best part of this movie. That he's not <laughs> on screen a lot, but that one scene, the one main scene of him as Chris R, where they're in the alley, which in the movie would be on the roof, but in the alley, it is. Incredible, Like, it is so good. Oh, it's amazing. I don't remember who I was talking to. I don't remember if it was you, Chris, or I don't remember if it was somebody else, but somebody was like, I didn't recognize that was Zach Efron the first time I saw him, because like, he is still Baywatch big, if not bigger. <laughs> he's in the beanie. He's just like cursing more than we've ever seen Zeph curse. I mean, we've seen him like be a frat bro and, you know, drop it. Like, he's like getting amped and like, he's just like swearing and like punching walls and being <laughs> this like. Terrifying force, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Okay, we go over lines. Don't oh. worry, don't worry. You All do right. the line, I do with the okay. actor. Okay. All All right, right,
2: play basketball we'll here. Go. and All this right, guy people. come over, Chris arthur Chris Arn, oh. come over. He's gonna demand money. Okay. motherfucker. Five fucking minutes. Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck. Okay. Good. Any questions?
3: Um, yeah. Uh, uh How 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 old is my character supposed to be?
2: Like your age, like 15, 16 year
1: old boy. And I'm 26. Same thing, okay? You look great. Okay, and, and uh, sorry, uh, uh, can I call him Chris instead of Chris R? It's just, I don't know why. No, his name Chris R. You call him Chris R. So fucking uh, motherfucker!
0: My God, this guy monster. Fuck!
1: We go. fuck!
3: Okay, we go. You got it.
0: And don't be branded today. You might hurt yourself. Okay. Okay. All right, picture's up. Let's roll camera, roll sound. Scene 109, take one. Speed. Action! Hey, Denny.
1: Hey, Chris R. I was looking for
0: you. Yeah, sure you were. You need my money, right? You wanna play some horse? You wanna play some fucking horse? Where is my fucking
2: money? It's, it's coming. It's coming. What do you mean it's coming?
1: J- just give me five minutes.
0: Five minutes? You want five fucking minutes, Denny? I
3: do have five fucking minutes! Where's my fucking God. money, Danny? Tell me where my fucking money is, Denny! It's coming. Where's my fucking money, Denny? Please stop. God damn it! Please. There I is don't my have fucking it. money! I don't have hey, okay, 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 cut, okay. Okay. cut, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God,
2: man. <laughs> oh. Wow, you like monster, right?
3: <laughs> Little boy, you okay? You okay, man? Little boy. So good. Oh, man, <laughs> that's
1: real. Yeah, and that's who Chris R. was in the book. Like, he really encapsulated that character really, really well. Yeah, he nailed it, man. And plus, it's just awesome to see Zeph do this. And, and fucking Franco and little Franco to be almost, like, scared of him. He'd like, oh my god, this guy monster.
2: As the, uh, as the not Zac Efron guy in this room, I will completely agree. Uh, I think that yeah. is my favorite part of the movie. In a movie with a lot of... Uh, a lot of cameos uh, again part of a few too many which is part of why again it kind of goes back to a bunch of pals yes. being pals yes of the main cast of the room i think he was the most it was the most fun it was most of the comedy in this movie comes from the room itself the jokes are just the room a lot of the time but this was one of the few places yeah. where like i got a genuine laugh out of what was going on around the making of this movie and he's perfect casting him and, uh, and nathan fielder i think were probably the best stunt I casting agree. Any kind nathan of
0: fielder yep. nathan fielder is the psychiatrist friend okay he has the show nathan for you on comedy central which is amazing i've never seen it it's good stuff but i think you you nailed it just what you said chris that's perfect wait hold on wait, wait. i'm sorry i started to interrupt but from now on from the rest of the tonight we have to call him chris r that's fine he's now chris r chris, chris r. r okay Where's my
2: fucking money, Joey?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What kind of drugs... Um, but you're right. A lot of the jokes in the movie are just jokes of the room and not jokes of them making the room. And now that you say that and you point it out, like, a lot of the times I was like laughing at stuff that was just like, oh, this was funny in the room and they're recreating it, and that's why it's funny, not because it's like this is a new, interesting perspective. It's just like the same shit regurgitated. The actual story of
0: the disaster artist is like really depressing because like, the, s- the successes that Greg has in the book Are minor. Tommy doesn't really have any successes other than, like, actually finishing the movie, and then, like, everything on set is a nightmare, and, like, people hate him, he keeps firing people, there's, like, this never-ending process, and to make that into a movie, it's like, oh, okay, like, that's, there's not stuff there, so you're right, like, Chris R is right, that, like, it's the recreation of things. We have to say, though, that, like, the level of detail they paid to recreating it is exceptional. It's great. But really the question is like to what end? Just to say that they could? Yeah, I want
1: to see them do like redo the shot for shot, but like that's cool and everything, but you just convince the movie studio to give you money to remake the room with different actors. Like that's just like a fun side project. That's not a a mm-hmm. real movie. I get your point there.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's essentially what it is. And there is humor to be mined from the making of this this weird movie. A lot of it is in how much Tommy was so fully believed in it, and that is kind of... Uh, we'll get into a tangent maybe later about what makes a great bad movie, but the answer is heart. Yep. Like, yep. The, best, the best joke about the making was given away in the trailer, and it was my favorite part of the book, too, like, finding out that it took, like, 37 takes for him to just say, like, an atrocious line. But they gave that all away in the trailer just to have the rest of the movie be like, yeah, this is pretty fucking stupid, isn't it? Look at that.
1: I agree a thousand percent. That's why we try not to watch trailers here.
2: And I mean, you took it, take a movie like Ed Wood, again, like, I, I hate to compare it to that, but, like, it is, that that's the closest comparison you can make other than just The Room. Like, there's so much weird stuff that happened around the making of the set, and maybe it's because Ed Wood was such, so much more of a likable fella. Um, and maybe this movie was trying to do that. But, like, the scenes where, like, they all have to get baptized to to continue making the movie to be funded by the church. Or where they have the guy wrestling the octopus. Like, there's some real humor in that. And it it's weird to me that they didn't— it, Most of the humor just comes from, like, reaction shots of um, Paul Sheer and um, Seth Rogen being like, Well, this sure is wacky. This isn't a real movie <laughs> set at all.
3: Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's funny. But real quick— Ed Wood is a movie you can watch without knowing who Ed Wood is. It teaches you about Plan yes. 9 from outer Space. You find out who this amazing, weird, Angora fetishizing guy was. Can you... I can't imagine what it would be like to watch this movie having never seen The Room.
0: No. no and, like, that's why they put the... I think that's why they have to put those talking heads at the top. Yeah. Because, like, it's no matter who you are you're going to find someone at the very beginning of the movie talking about how wonderful The Room is. Whether you're, like, a fan of the Smodcast, and you love Kevin Smith, whether you love Adam Scott, whether you love, you know, Kristen Bell, whether you love Ike Barinholtz, shout out to Neighbors. Like, no matter what you like, there's someone in there that you probably connect with, and if that person loves The Room and loves the story of The Room and loves Tommy Wiseau, then, like, that makes you invest in this movie. But, like, if you don't have that and you just drop into this world, like, it would make no sense at all Yeah, this would be a horrible
1: movie if you didn't love the room or haven't seen the room you'd just be like what the fuck was this Mm -hmm. about
2: this probably should have been a movie about Greg Cessaro Tommy should have been more of a like peripheral malevolent slash beneficial like weird god deity character like just kind of cropping up in the margins of the of like his own life. I think that's kind of what well, the yeah. book. Th- they even
0: hinted at that with like that is what the book is. Yeah, Reese Larson
2: shows up for a cup of coffee and then is gone for the movie. You think that they're gonna do something with her and fake Greg's no, relationship? Alison Brie, but... not Brie Larson. Oh geez, yeah Sorry. Now I've made the joke and I've confused <laughs> myself into like Joey's fantasy waifu world.
0: Yeah, Little Franco's real life wife Alison Brie is in the movie barely, and she's there to make Tommy jealous and then introduce him to Brian Cranston, which didn't happen 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 in real life like that's just like the whole like it's just these weird like attempts at pathos or attempts at conflict or whatever that just don't work like it's just and there's so much in the book that could that they
1: could have used too which is frustrating Mm -hmm. there's so much good stuff in the book that i was like oh man i can't wait till they see how they do this in the book and then it's just like they kept like all of the like main reveals in the book, but they didn't use any of the, like, small comedies. Yeah,
0: I can see it. And I think what's frustrating about it is that, like, it's clear that James Franco cares. Yes. Like, he loves He plays a great Tommy, story. by the way. He does a great Tommy. Like, he, his heart is in this. It's just that, like, the way that they crafted the movie around him doesn't work.
2: No, and I think a large part of that is the insistence on having all of these cameos show up. And I guess... You kind of do need some of these people to show up for a second. I also feel like some of that falls on Little Franco. I don't think he's very good, and I don't think he's well cast in this movie. Funny enough, I spent a lot of the beginning of the movie being like, who the hell would be a better Greg Sestero? And I was trying to just, like, do it physically at first, and I was like, what about the guy from Supernatural? And then they show him watching Gilmore Girls, and they show that guy, and he's like, you know, I almost had (laughs) that part, which I got a good laugh out of. But it's like, in general, I just don't think... He is a good um, foil to Franco's Tommy, and I think you need this. This is Greg's story, and he can't carry it. He can't pull it off. It's so disappointing. Like, I
1: think who ah, do you who do you want just... to be? So you you want Greg to be the guy from Supernatural and Gilmore Girls that's who you want well, Craig to be yeah. well
2: you know i just i was just trying to think as i was watching like who could play that tall chiseled jawline like not so great of an actor kind of thing and he was the first person that popped my head and it is funny that they you know I think they kind of have i think now that you said that and paths. i never
1: thought about replacing him but now that you said it i was thinking andrew garfield like he's kind of I like, like that. tall kind of doofy if they gave him a beard he's like younger I think Andrew Garfield would have been my choice for Greg. It's not a bad call. I like that.
2: Yeah, sorry, I went off on a weird tangent. No, Mostly, you're okay. What I was trying to say was, I think that he uh, doesn't work, and I wonder how much of this movie had to be featuring Tommy just to get the rights to like use the movie. Hmm. I wonder if that was part of it because he had so he had so much to do, like with following Franco around during the award season and stuff like that. Like, I wonder if they really had to court him just to get this movie made, and they couldn't, they had to treat him with kids' gloves.
0: I think that's part of it, because I was looking at IMDb for trivia, and there's a lot of trivia about this movie. For a movie that is, as we're recording this, only available VOD and not yet on Blu-ray, there's a lot of trivia about it. But most of the trivia on IMDb is about differences between the movie and the book and so to sort of circle back for a second to the tangent that Chris R just brought us on (laughs) Greg Sestero in real life is like four inches taller than Tommy but Dave Franco is like three inches shorter than James I think yeah something like a couple inches shorter yeah and so it's supposed to be this like weird kind of power dynamic that's like inverted it's like it's not it's not a big difference but like it feels like they just wanted that like brother story that James and Dave thing that like that's what it was because the other thing is that like apparently in every interview in every interview that James Franco gave he said that Tommy says that this movie is 99 99- .99% accurate. He says the yeah. only differences, the only things that he's not crazy about are the lighting of the first scene, apparently, <laughs> Okay. James Franco says he thinks it's only because Tommy was wearing sunglasses when he was watching the movie, so that might not matter. And he said that James doesn't throw a football the way that Tommy throws a football. He said the rest of the movie is perfect.
2: That's because James Franco knows how to throw a football.
0: It, it, so
3: <laughs> the so act if, of
1: pretending like you don't know how to throw a football is much more apparent than if you did Know <laughs> like if, and, if you right. just didn't know how to throw a football, it's like much more natural than if you did and were trying to not
2: like it's probably really difficult. Like it's when you try it's like when you try to
1: sing out of key. Yeah.
2: Like you can't quite figure out how to do it. Like your voice like puts you back on autopilot. It's probably really hard to throw a football poorly. Now that I think about yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I would do it too. You're right. It, that that did look like very scripted by <laughs> Franco. It's like
0: it's really hard to not do. So yeah. But if Tommy approves of the rest of the movie. Movie, that means that it's, like, through these rose-colored glasses that aren't real. That's what yes. I was—yeah,
1: it obviously means it's fake. Yes. Like, if, if yeah. Tommy
0: says that this is 99% real, then
1: it's 99% bullshit. Because, like, that's what he lives through. Yeah, I can agree with that.
2: There's a fantastic scene in the book, and it's really what really roped me in uh, as I was reading it. It happens early. They're driving—in in the movie, they there's like, fuck these people, let's make a movie, yeah, high five. In the book, Tommy decides to make this movie— and Greg doesn't want to do it. He's got a job. And Tommy, yes. like, speeds up the car, like, through L.A. and, like, s- pulls them down this dark alley and slams on the brake and is, like, almost threatening. Like, he, like, gets really up close to his face and is like, you know how much this would mean to be Greg? And then, like, make like Godfather almost makes him an offer he can't refuse. It's so much money. And it's, like, really dark and it's really threatening. And it was a scene that I really hoped that they had in the movie because yep. I think it would be yep. a great way to introduce kind of this weird Tommy character. You can only do that if you're a having him on the margins of Greg's life, and, B, you can do anything to say that Tommy Wiseau was, like, not the this lovable, goofy American dream, which is the thesis of this film. It doesn't work. It's, like, they try to make us empathize with him. Yes. There's only one scene do. where he's a, he's a real asshole, and they give him, like, a reason. He's like, oh, well, he's really depressed because he's really sad. He's just lashing out because everyone thinks he's a piece of shit. And he's like, he can't make films. He's not really an asshole. He's just lashing out at this girl. But, like, that's not it. Like, he really... Tommy was kind of an asshole. And, like, that's part of the charm of the book, really, (laughs) in a way.
1: The book doesn't... The book doesn't candy-coat it for him. I agree. They're just like, no, he just sucked. Like, you can see, like, the Greg coming through, like, he's still my friend. But, like, the story itself is like, oh, no, this dude just generally sucks. I can agree with that for sure.
0: Because, like, in the book, it paints Tommy as a guy who might probably have bipolar or something like he's he's he got these really wild mood swings mm-hmm. like in the book where they you know they talk about how he they, they share the apartment in LA and like he just keeps like curtaining off more and more of the apartment like never leaving and it's like there's this like real like bouts of like depression and mania there's something probably medically wrong with Tommy yes but in the in the movie he's just like kind of a crazy asshole and like it's supposed to be fun and it's like well that's there's no heart there which i guess you know i think this might not be a good time to talk about this chris R is like there's a there's a lack of heart like there's an attention to detail here and there's evidence that people care but it doesn't feel like a from it comes from a place of love it feels like we're doing this because people are gonna love it because people love the book because i james franco love the book and I want to make this. But it doesn't feel like they, they were like, there's a reason to do it. It just feels like, let's just do it and make some money.
1: I don't even think it's that. I think it's like a, a self-fulfillment. Like, I don't think they did it to make money. I think that just, Franco wanted to do it. And they were like, well, if anybody's going to do it, let's let Seth Rogen and James Franco do it. You know what I mean? Like, it was just for their own benefit, not because they were trying to make money. But in the, sa- in the same unfulfilling way that they're like not doing Tommy and Greg justice with the movie
2: it's like it's like filming someone really carefully setting a table it's like yeah you got everything right and everything's in the right place but like it, there's no there's no heart there it's just an act that you are doing the room itself has more heart in my opinion than this movie does it feels almost cynical in a lot of ways
1: yeah. I can agree with it. They're definitely self fulfilling this.
0: In a way, the book kind of feels like that, but it also feels like the book is like, okay, now we really know how this movie was made. Like, without that, we would have, we would know literally nothing about Tommy or about the movie or about the making of or the backstory or anything. So the book feels kind of cynical, but it comes from like a first person perspective and it actually opens the door into this world. This is like recapping the book. And it just, it feels like a copy of a copy of a copy. Mm. It feels hollow. Yeah. Yeah. When it shouldn't. When it should, when it really, really shouldn't. I'm right with you. I like your description
1: of it. It's perfect.
2: (laughs) Here's the thing about The Room or Plan 9 or any of these, like, best worst movies. And I'm not saying The Disaster Arts is is a bad movie. I would say it's probably... I think it's fine. Uh, it's pretty decent. Seen, I like it. If you've it, seen yeah. the room, see it. If you haven't seen the room, I can't. I don't know if I can recommend it to you. Nope, I agree. The room has heart, and the scene where um, June Diane Raphael and all of these extras that they've and all of these friends that they've cast are having that discussion about like what like what are we doing? And right. she's like, "This is like a real story. Like 100. This is this is an autobiography. You can see that in the actual the room. Um, I think Tommy Wiseau really believed in this." And the charm is not, look how bad this movie is. Like, that you can go—you can fucking watch Sharknado 8. You can go to—well, to, blockbusters don't exist anymore. You can scroll to the bottom of Netflix horror section and pick something that's completely incompetent and terrible. The act of trying so hard and completely failing is, in such a spectacular way, is endearing. And that is why Tommy Wiseau is—should be, like, this—he's not an inspirational character. He's, like— He's. It's charming that he's he's failed. Uh, it, it's not what this movie wants to make it out to be. It is not this rousing success. Everyone is still, no one's laughing with him, really. But everyone yeah. recognizes that he really fucking tried. And that's what differentiates the room from everything else that is just a bad movie. It's why I'm not going to see Samurai Cop 2 because they know they're making a bad movie. But Samurai Cop 1 is great because they thought they were making a great movie. Or like a, at least a movie, um, <laughs> and that's that's why this this fails. It doesn't capture any of that. It just thinks this is this was wacky, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, this is this is exactly how I like when you were saying that the room and the key to a a good bad movie is heart. I I just call it passion. Mm. Like he believed in it so much. That to watch him fail but still believe in it to the core right. was like the the best part of watching The Room for me. That like you you could see that like he was trying so hard to make a great movie and that and then it's still failing is awesome. This is why I love Lifetime movies, right? Because Lifetime <laughs> movies like they're not not trying, they are trying. They just are really shitty at it. Like if you make a movie that's Sharknado where you know it's bad and you're just trying to make a
0: bad movie, it doesn't come off as genuine as something like The Room no and I want to while we're on the subject I want to give a shout out to the one of the newest podcasts on our network which is the real bad podcast which joined our network after they did about 25 episodes and they've done episodes on the room they did an episode on plan nine and edward in general the person and they watch a bad movie every week and talk about it and they also they don't do it in a way that how did this get made does it and all three how did this get made hosts are in this movie because they all oh wow yeah you know watch the room and sort of added to the cult following and like when Greg and uh, Tom Bissell were writing the book, they referenced the Room episode as like source material mm. so like or at the room episode of how's get made like as source material so like there's this whole like complicated narrative i mean paul shears got a big part june Dyne and raphael has like a smaller part and jason Mantzoukas has a really small part but they're all in is this. he the
2: camera shop owner i kind of can't remember him or brian yeah. He's a camera
0: shop owner him him and yeah. Hannibal.
2: sorry real quick side tangent where the fuck does brian cranston come in i kind of can't remember
0: so he is in the coffee shop that allison breeze like oh i know him from pilates oh, and yeah. then he's directing a first episode of or he's directing the episode of malcolm he's a lumberjack He has Greg come to be the lumberjack. And that's where he's like, he needs the the beard. beard, Whereas in real life, Greg was just having the beard so that he could like shave it off after he was done with the movie and people wouldn't recognize him. So like, he added this artificial conflict in the movie that didn't really fit. But anyway. Sorry about that. Back to real bad for a second. So they talked about The Room. They talked about Plan 9 and Ed Wood, the person. They talked about a lot of bad movies and they sort of come to the same thing that we come to is that like, when you're trying to make a good movie and fail... It's admirable. Like The Room, like, I don't know, Chris, if you've seen... I've never seen it, but there's this uh, movie, Manos, The Hands of oh, Fate. I love Manos. Big because of Mystery Science Theater. But they were saying, like, you know, they tried to make an actual movie the guy was just terrible at it. And, like, because of that, like, it's not, you know, it's it's worth watching because it's this guy's, like, sort of passion project. Uh, it's the same thing that, like, you know, a couple of years ago at Fantastic Fast when I saw Dangerous Men, you know, I was talking to people and, like, they're like, I don't like watching movies where you just, like, laugh at it. And I'm like, well, no, because, like, this is a movie that a guy literally took 10 years of his life to try to make and finally got it done. It's not like we're making fun of him for not being good at it. We're, like, we're enjoying the fact that he's, like, pouring his heart and soul out into the screen we're not really laughing I mean it feels like you might be laughing at him but you're really laughing like sort of like you're you're with him like you're embracing him you're like we applaud like we love you for doing this as opposed to like you said a samurai cop 2 or whatever or a sharknado they know that they're just trying to like get retweets on Twitter or like get buzz going and like hey like look how corny we are but like if you're trying to make a movie and you're just not good at it it comes from a different place it has that heart and like you sort of don't feel icky watching it and making fun of it because you're like like you're able to appreciate it on some level as opposed to just like 100% making fun of it
1: Yeah, because you can relate, man. Like, we've all failed. Mm -hmm. Like, it just... We've not failed on a scale like this. So it feels good to, like, watch somebody else, like, really, really fail. And, like, visibly. I fail all the time. But, like, nobody's recording it. You know? Like, that's the best part about it. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I'm laughing at it, but I'm also relating to it, you know? So...
2: It's it's the perfect intersection of, like, a YouTube fail video. And, like, one of those terrible... Like I said, B-horror movies. It's just, like... It's captured at the right moment, and it does just the right th- like, like, you can't capture—you can't—you can't script something Like, the guy who plays Nathan Fielder's character, uh, Peter. You can't script something like the actor just just being done and walking off the set. So they create a whole new character named Steven and just give him those lines. Like, you can't script that kind of shit. You can't script them doing Samurai Cop reshoots and finding out the guy cut his hair so they slap a wig on him that's constantly falling off during the fight scene. Like, those are the things you cannot script. That's why—that's what separates a good-bad movie from a bad-bad movie or a movie that's trying to be bad— and doesn't work, and it's kind of why I'm intrigued by Best Friends. If you've seen the trailer for that, I know you don't watch trailers. Greg Sestero wrote a movie that he and Tommy Wiseau are in together, and it's not a comedy. It's like a dark thriller.
0: Well, now it's actually it's it's two movies,
2: two now. parts. Yeah, it's supposed to be inspired yes. by The Talented Mr. Ripley, which again, it just this movie just got the the tone wrong. The tone of the book. The book constantly cites The Talented Mr. Ripley and Sunset Boulevard, which is exactly. What this movie? Ribble without a cause. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and and from their love of.
0: Well, no, yeah, but the, the, you're talking about you're talking about the quotes at yes. the beginning, right? The, at the beginning of every chapter, it's like either Sunset Boulevard or yeah. of Miss Ripley, right? Okay. Because
2: they're they're about like this weird like pretender and like this brush with fame, yeah. yep. and that's I think what the tone of Best Friends is. Like. I almost feel like Best Friends is going to oddly be a better film adaptation of the Disaster Artist than the Disaster Artist will be.
0: Well, we had a friend, our friend from shout England, out. shout him out. out to Nerd on Nerd, Liam Underwood. He saw Best Friends. <laughs> Because oh. Tommy and Greg were over in England showing an early copy of Best Friends, they they double screened it with The Room. They double featured it. I feel like he liked it but wasn't super crazy about it. Does that sound right? Like he, 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 didn't, he didn't seem like it was like the best thing. It had nothing that you wanted The Room to be because they got
1: better at making movies. So like then oh, it was right. just a bad movie, oh. not like them trying to make a a good movie and it failing. It was just like just a bad movie. But he he saw a really early cut of it. He said it was, like, really rough. There wasn't anything to laugh
0: at. It was just, like, a shitty movie. In the last week or two, so as, as you're listening to this, maybe, like, a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago, they announced that, that movie's becoming two movies. And so I don't know if they're cutting it and splitting it to two. I don't know if they're writing a second one. Like, I'm not exactly sure what's happening. But it feels like whatever Liam saw is not at all what we're going to see no. whenever it eventually comes out to theaters or VOD or whatever this year. So hopefully they fixed it or made it worse, but
1: yeah.
2: I mean, my hope for that, I think the best case scenario, I kind of hate this, this splitting it in two thing, because I don't think whatever they're doing can sustain that. I, I didn't expect a joke, I didn't expect it to be funny. I expect them to actually try to make a realistic, dark thriller movie, and it's a, like, I think the best case scenario for me would have been like, that was interesting, but I don't, I don't expect good out of it.
0: I think they're in a really weird no-win situation. Yep. The reason The Room was successful, the reason that people love it, is because it was this guy with this mysterious background that nobody knew who created this thing that everybody fell in love with. But now that we know who Tommy is, even if we don't really know who Tommy is, like, we know who Tommy is. We know what The Room is. We know his level of ability. If Best Friends is as bad as The Room, it's going to be disappointing because he didn't get better if it's a good movie it's disappointing because it's not what you want out of Tommy Wiseau and if it's just like fine it's disappointing because it's neither of those things like I don't know I don't know how you make this movie like what version of Best Friends is the movie that I want to see because I really don't know I, I kind of want it to stand alone like I yeah. kind of want the room to be and done I understand that they want to They want to work they want to make more money they, they like working together they actually are friends or whatever And I get that they want to keep doing it, but at the same time, I kind of wish that, like, we just had The Room and The Disaster Artist, The Book, and that we didn't have this movie, we didn't have Best Friends, we didn't have these other things, because it just feels like it's too many degrees removed from, like, what people originally Mm -hmm. cared about. I agree. I'm with you 100%, and I
1: think that Chris is right, too, that the best case scenario for the movie is that it's just, like, that was interesting, because if it's anything else, we're going to be like, eh, that was bad. Like, if it's good, we're going to be like, that's not what we wanted. If it's bad, that's not what we wanted. It has to go middle of the road, and I agree with you too that, like, I wish that they would just want and done on The Room, and they could just fucking tour with The Room forever. I get that they want to, like, keep working and be actors and stuff, but it's like, they should just stick to, like, cameos and other movies instead of, like, trying to make their own movie again. I,
2: I appreciate that they're not trying to recapture the magic of The Room. Like, we're not getting Birdemic 2, Samurai Cop 2, Manos 2, you know, we're, it's not that. It's they're doing something different. And they're doing something unique that can stand on its own away from the room, even though it'll always have that kind of attachment to it based on the stars. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't expect much from it. Um, I think I want it to be something that it can't be. But I just, I'm happy that they are not trying to just do the room part two, room harder. Room, yeah, I agree with room that. Room hard with the vengeance. They could have
1: took the cop out way and just like continued on with this story mm-hmm. and made it about breast cancer <laughs> right. or something, and that would have been pretty lame. <laughs>
2: Can I tell a quick, uh, two quick Tommy Wiseau stories? Yeah. First, I, uh, uh, my friends and I do a Secret Santa every year. We call it Secret Sant- Santana. I don't know why, but we do. I needed like something that costs a small amount to get to the, the limit. Because it's, it's a friend's one. It's not like a white elephant. It's, it's pretty serious about it. So I bought my, I bought my friend Tommy Wiseau underwear. He, he has his own like underwear.
1: Tommy has the red underwear. You can buy it on yeah. the store. Yeah, I know.
2: Through his fashions. and says Wiseau on the band. It's hilarious. I ordered it in like November. Didn't come for Christmas. I assumed it was just that's it, like it's it's gone. Didn't go through. Didn't happen. Whatever. Uh, I'll eat the seven dollars. No big deal. Uh, like two days ago, I got an email saying your order has shipped. Uh.
1: <laughs> I think that he still actually runs the store, which is yeah. A I think he's packing it himself. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think he really does. I think that's the problem with this whole thing. Like, I think I've read this that he like still maintains that store. So like, if he's out touring the like disaster artist or the room, it just like shit doesn't get. Done. Done because it's just him. God,
2: that rules. And that scene I mentioned in the trailer um, where everyone is is yelling the lines to him, I like to imagine that in some way I inspired that because we were at a showing of the room, me and four friends, uh, where it was Sistero and Wiseau. They were there. My friends got a copy of the room and they had uh, him them sign it. My friend's name is Amit, A-M-I-T. And Tommy Wiseau could not spell that. And he just kept <laughs> asking, how do you spell until the point, like seven times, with the point where everyone, including Greg, was going A M I T. <laughs> That's so, the best
1: part of the story. That makes me really happy. <laughs> I love it.
2: So I lived. I lived that scene from the trailer, and he is just as weird as uh, it makes it out to be. Greg is a very low key guy. I went to the bathroom at some point during the movie, and he was just out there on his phone, like he doesn't watch the movie anymore. He doesn't like it. Yeah, I fuck yeah, I wouldn't watch this movie either. <laughs> uh, and I, just, I just talked to him like I didn't want to bother him. I just like was chatting to him for like four or five minutes. And he was he was just saying like, like a, a nice down to earth dude. The movie got the dynamic right. Well, mm, no, because I think what you what you said, Joe, about the the t- the the height. I think that is an aspect of it. Like the weird power dynamic existing against like the typical height thing. Like this weird alien tiny guy kind of cucking this beautiful brunette tall model. The more I talk about this movie, the less I liked it.
0: You guys are making me dig into it too much too. I yeah. agree.
2: I left this movie thinking it was like an eight, and I'm down to like a four.
0: Yeah, I left the theater not liking it, and then everybody else was like, "Oh my god, did you did you see the did you just see the disaster?" Artist? "Did you love it?" And I was like, "No." And they're like, "Why not?" Joe saw it after me in theaters because this is one of the one a rare film I think, right, that you saw in theaters that wasn't Oscar related. Like, he just wanted to go see this. And like you were just looking forward to it.
1: I go see movies that are very shit. Like unfriended <laughs> and stuff like that. Those are the. That's where I'm spending my money in a theater. I want to see the worst movies ever. Then I see Oscar movies, and that's pretty much what my movie going experience is. Otherwise, I watch everything at home.
0: So I was like, I don't want to influence you one way or the other, so I'm not going to say anything. And then you got home, and you, I was like, how do you how do you like it? And you said I really liked it. And I was like, I didn't. And then like, but that seemed like sort of what everybody like. You really liked it. You know, our friend Kate really liked it. Like everybody just liked it, and it feels like there's like this wave of like people like. Oh my like even David Ehrlich, who I love, Chris, we know we we sat there yeah. instead of watching a movie one day, you and I watched like the last six years of his like best film things. He gave this movie four out of five stars on Letterboxd. For him to like it that much, I'm like, what am I missing? But like watching it again and talking about it, I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not right. Like I feel confident in saying like I enjoy parts of this, but I don't think it's good and it's not what I want.
1: Now when we're breaking it down and we're talking about it compared to the book, I can see why you don't like it as much, but at the core of it, you have a really good showing of Tommy. You have some great acting. Mm-hmm. You have some funny cameos. The movie's definitely not bad. I think it is still good. I don't like it as much as I originally liked it when I first left the theater because I was just like so amped for it. I was just like so hype. So like now that I rewatch it, I'm like, eh, this doesn't have as much staying power as The Room. I probably won't watch it again for a really long time, but I'll watch The Room over and over again and still be happy every time I see it.
2: I feel like it shouldn't have been made yet. I mean, I know Franco really wanted to do it. Let's be fair. He could have done this like 10 years from now. I just don't think it had to happen. You know, it's it's kind of the Jurassic Park, like you were so concerned with like, could you do it? You never stopped to think, should you do it? Yep, <laughs> I just exactly. don't think this movie needed to exist yet. I agree. It hurt it, only it being so recent, and with all these people still alive, and there, the fact that we can see both of them very easily, and time hasn't really decided what the room is going to be yet, I think that hurts it a lot. Before we leave, I feel like we're, we're going to, like, a wrap-up thing. We're
0: not. Le- no. We still have another okay. hour of the
2: podcast. Well, I realize so. I'm all over the place when talking about this, and that's just no, because I've, I was, I've been extremely tired and, and inside of a cadaver um, for most of today. Don't ask. Ooh, um, literally.
0: Not just fucking it. Okay. I...
2: <laughs> I love The Room. Like, I it's. I was trying to figure it out. I think maybe the only movies I've seen more than The Room are, like, Ghostbusters, the original Star Wars trilogy, and Shawshank Redemption. Like, I've seen this movie so much. I, it's unironically one of my favorite movies of all time. I wanted to like this movie so much. I just I feel like my thoughts are kind of all over the place on it, and I'm kind of forming them as I'm talking, and that's not great for a podcast, and I'm sorry that you have to edit this, Joey. Can we talk about the ending? Can we talk about the ending? Because it's wrong, and I know how to fix it.
0: Good, yeah. yeah let's talk about So, the movie ends... With them selling out the Egyptian, or wherever they are, having the film debut of The Room, and people start laughing at it, Tommy gets really upset about it, he walks out, Greg follows him out and says, no, Tommy, don't you see they're loving it? He's like, "Do you think Hitchcock ever got a reaction like that? He's like, no, they love it. And then like they embrace, and like it's like this triumphant ending that it's this instant cult sensation, they love it. And it really, like I was saying earlier, condenses... Six years, sort of, into one night? Like, it It was a nothing, and he just kept paying for it to be in theaters, kept that billboard up, and then eventually people found it, but it, it like took a Paul while. Rudd so Rod and all those guys, yeah. yeah. So, Chris R., how would you fix the ending of The Disaster Artist?
2: Well, first off, there's so much wrong with this. One of the last things we see is the big, is Tommy Wiseau's big blow-up at the whole cast, where he insults Juliette Danielle, the actress playing, who plays um, Lisa, who i can't remember the name of the Ari actress. Ari Grainer
0: She was in uh for a good time call with Seth Rogen's wife. Oh. So I think that's why that's her connection to this. That okay. you know, she made a movie with Seth Rogen's wife, and so she was in this. Actually, real quick side note for here, James Franco for that part had two actresses in mind. Did either of you read this? No. No. Tell me. You wanted either Ari Grainer or and I'm so so upset that this didn't happen, Britney Spears. Oh god. Oh, I love
2: that. I love been that. Been so
1: much so better. So much. Wow. That would have been so perfect. Yeah. Oh, my God. You just ruined so much more of this movie for me.
0: I know. And then I was thinking, you know, James Franco and yes. Britney
1: Spears, thinking of the best scene yes. from Spring Breakers. Breakers. Obviously, that's the first place I went. Yep. Yeah. I think he has a boner for Britney Spears at Who this doesn't? point. No, I don't think we either. were all kids I mean, in 1999. I, do. I still Who do. Doesn't? I have had yeah. one since, like, what? Fucking... Third grade or whatever. Yeah. Twenty years now. Yeah, yeah.
2: They have that blow up, and the last thing we see is Tommy Wiseau being a total asshole. Like this is first off in real life, this was like the first day of shooting. Yeah, in, in this movie, it happens way later, and he's just a complete prick, and everyone hates him. Then we just kind of like jump to this, and everyone's like, ah, oh, we feel so bad for him. It's okay, old chap. Like. Uh, we actually do kind of like this movie. It's funny. Uh, and it just doesn't work at all. You need more time between that. This is the best example of them trying to have their cake and eat it, too. He's an asshole, but he's also the American yep. dream. And he's also yep. this empathetic, weird alien man.
0: Oh, speaking of alien. Wink, wink. Uh, yes. What? He,
2: James Franco is the alien. Oh. What they should have done, uh. instead of going back in <laughs> and everyone who was made the movie, like it's still that same screening, they go back in and it is one of those midnight cult screenings. 10 years later and everyone is clapping and screaming and throwing spoons and applauding and so excited to see him. But we get this big jump in time showing like he's not performing to this audience of like people who think they're actors and have like worked on sets. It's this whole like group of like weirdo hipsters who go to midnight shows in Brooklyn and are high as hell while they see this. Like it's this kind of dynamic shift and how he's kind of adapted to, to kind of laughing with them instead of just being laughed
0: at. I love it
1: yeah I like that much better I also didn't like the realistic shots I don't think they were necessary for this movie I don't think the interviews at the beginning were no. necessary and I don't think the shots of him like showing the film like that would like the end montage no. kind of what's it called like when they like show the side by side oh like the side by side the comparisons no not the comparisons oh. the before that like when they're like the, the room is now a cult classic and oh. like when they do like this montage at the end and they show like
0: oh oh like sort of like the where are they now kind of in a little bit yeah
1: When they do that part, I don't think that was necessary. Just cut it there. Just cut it, like, at the fucking, thank you for enjoying my comedic movie. No, but, like,
0: I mean, that's there for the same reason the thing at the beginning is there, is because for people who Mm -hmm. aren't like us, who are people who are like, I'm going to go see the new James Franco-Seth Rogan movie, who don't have any idea what The Room is, (laughs) I understand that. But, like, they need to bookend it for the most of America. Because, like, we think The Room is massive. But if you asked America what The Room is... Most people are going to like unironically make Chris's joke. They're going to yeah. be like, "Oh, it's that Brie Larson movie." No, but they should have built on the fact that it like just
1: comes out and if you see this, you're like, "What the fuck was that?" And then everybody's like, "Hey, well, did you see the original?" And then they go back and rewatch it and it would it would make the movie better. I think if you didn't try to like mass appeal it, if you just left it in this niche that it would have been like we it would have felt more real to us. At but least But it was for never
0: going to be that. It was never going to be that. that though. Sucks, it was always going to be this I, I I agree like this is not the movie it should have been but they wanted to put it in thousands of theaters nationwide they wanted they everyone do, to understand what was going on no no I don't think they could have, they could like, have. if you don't explain it it doesn't you work it doesn't work to most <sighs> Explaining of Explaining it is different. Uh, th-
2: no, you could have... You have to focus more on the making of it and the weirdness behind that instead of this need to play all the hits. Like, you have to have a recreation of You're Tearing Me Apart, so You have to have a recreation of Oh, Hi, Doggy. Like, you don't, you don't, actually. You don't need to yeah. have any of that. This is a, char- exactly, this is a character movie. This isn't a parody. This isn't fucking epic movie or whatever. One of those pieces of shit. And that's almost... This is like Ruma movie, and it... it doesn't work the movie fails the fact that those bookends have to exist is a sign that this movie didn't actually work at what it was trying to do
0: i agree i fully agree
1: yeah i think i think we uh, we came to the core of it if if you would have just gone balls deep and you'd just been the making of the room and not actually even shown any of the scenes from the room like maybe other than like him doing the walking if if that would have been like the climax of him like coming out on the roof and them having to tell them the line 50 times and that would have been like the only like actual scene of the room i think that this movie would have worked much better and there had been no beginning no bookends it would have just been like that's the movie this guy's weird i think it would have still sold and i think it would have been more oscar-baity than it is even now
0: but then the problem the problem with that then is that you can't cast 15 of your friends to oh, fill darn out the cast you Why know not? What I mean? Like, because if you don't, if you're not re actually remake, I mean, I guess you could, but like, I I don't know. That would also work a little bit better, but it's like a completely different movie than what they're. Well, I don't apparently, know.
2: The, yeah, apparently the the Blu-ray never, is yeah, going to the have the first thirty minutes of the room remade. Yes, via this cast. Correct. But like, yep. okay, we're gonna get the first thirty minutes of the room remade with this cast. Uh, okay, so leave that as the Blu-ray extra. Like, we don't need that side by side stuff. Same. Like, it, it, yeah. we don't have to be. That's what I think too. It's it's it is making jokes that only room people can get. And that's that's kind of the kind of what I was saying before. It's like having the entire joke be, hey, remember that you're tearing me apart Lisa line, pretty fucking stupid. That doesn't make anyone laugh who hasn't seen the room. Right. They're actually not going either direction that we're kind of implying. It's not fully like room fan circle jerk, and it's not fully this kind of Ed Wood esque like who is, like, this This caricature of this person's... Not caricature. Um, biography of this person's life. It's neither of those. It's kind of this middle ground where it just fails.
0: They took the easy road. Yeah. They took the safe, the safe bet. I don't know if they took the safe bet. Like, I don't know if it's safer or easier. It's just wrong. Like, it's just the wrong choice. Like, go either way. I don't know if it's easier to do this. I think it actually might be harder to try to appeal to both audiences. It was the safer play in the sense that they knew that
1: this was gonna be a more popular it was gonna be a more seen version, maybe not a more popular version, but a more viewed ticket yeah. sold version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it could have they could have taken a harder route either way. It would have been more of what we as fans would have
0: wanted. And this movie was successful. I mean, the budget yeah. was 10 million according to Google, and it made 30 million worldwide. So like financially, it worked like this little this little gamble that like they didn't spend a lot of money on. Made them money. It worked, you know. Like I don't think there was huge advertising campaigns for this. I think it was sort of like kind of word of mouth for people who loved the room. So I'm sure they didn't like really spend another 10 million on advertising. Either way, they made money on this movie, so it worked. I just, you know, it's it's not the movie that any of us wanted. Yeah.
1: I want to know how much money Tommy made from the room from this movie. I bet it's a fuck ton. Yeah, don't Probably worry about
2: Tommy So I
1: bet he sold, like, a ton. Yeah, don't worry yeah, about his no, money. No. He's, he's doing fine. <laughs> Greg, you we never got, talk we about... We got Chris my...
0: R. over here buying <laughs> underwear off him. Like, Tommy's yeah. fine.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, at the same time, it's like, I still want to know the financials of it. Like, I want to see, like, how many more DVDs he sold when the disaster artist, like... The movie got announced with Franco, you know, like it had to be like a fuck ton.
0: I have some other trivia about this movie if you want to hear it. Yes. When Greg Sestero was writing the book, he said that Tommy said that only two actors could portray him: either James Franco or Johnny mm-hmm. Depp. Which, thank God, it's not Johnny Depp in this movie. Why not? I think it would be.
1: I think it would be hilarious Ugh. to see Johnny Depp as as, as um, Tommy because he would have been so into it. That's the only
0: reason why I want to see it. The more interesting thing is that the reason. That Tommy Wiseau loved James Franco and thought he could play him was because he loved the movie Sonny, which was the only movie ever directed by Nicolas Cage,
1: which is this movie set
0: in New Orleans where Tommy Wiseau plays uh, a guy returning from war, returning to his mother's home, which is like a brothel. And he's kind of a male prostitute. Cage plays this guy named Acid Yellow. Who is this like crazed drug fiend? Wait,
2: who's the lead actor in that?
0: James Franco's the lead actor. You oh, you Tommy said Wysso Tommy
2: Wiseau, so, and I just oh. I I went I slid into a universe where Nicolas Cage and Tommy Wiseau shared a room, I'm sorry. and I was so happy for a minute.
0: <laughs> in my brain, they are not the same person. James Franco, Tommy <laughs> Wiseau. No, 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 no. James Franco plays this young kid's 2002 movie. He comes back to his mother's house. He's a male prostitute, back from war, meets up with Cage. So on and so forth. Cage directed the only thing Cage ever directed. But Tommy loved James Franco in that movie so much that he thought, based on that movie, you know, a couple of New Orleans boys, that he could play him. So that was that. <laughs>
2: I mean, if you want to invite comparisons to a better movie like Ed Wood, the way to do that would definitely be cast Johnny Depp as your weirdo uh, film True. director. Yeah, don't. So it's a good thing they didn't do that for many reasons.
0: Apparently, both Tommy and Greg approved of casting Dave Franco as Greg so they gave that their blessing i don't know how much they had i'm sure they had to give a lot of things their blessing but yeah you know that big one they both agreed on greg sistero is in the movie apparently as a casting agent mm. this one guy michael Rousselette, who is quote patient zero who i guess is the first guy who started spreading the news that the room was this like glorious bad movie he actually snuck on set into the theater at the end and high-fived james franco as he ran down the aisle mm-hmm. at the end so he's one of the first people you see high-fiving james franco as tommy in the movie oh cool so this guy i guess i don't know why he wasn't invited to it like i don't know why he was yeah. there intentionally but he's not i don't
2: want to forget another great cameo sharon stone great her little scene is fantastic too where was she at as the she's the agent oh Greg, yeah Greg's agent she's yeah just don't don't want to forget that because we talked about all the other ones that were okay like a little
1: zefnection cameo that we didn't talk about i don't know if joey caught it or not but the sister from mike and dave need wedding dates is one of the prospective lisas did you notice that
0: Oh, that's a good call. That's a real good call.
1: Yes, I noticed her, and I was very excited about it. Um, she actually comes out and says something really funny that I think is appropriate for Chris and I. Like, you know, you're gonna be Lisa, and she goes, "Is she romantic or is she like a scientist?" And like, I thought that that was just a really, really great <laughs> line of just like, "Is she a real person or a scientist?" That was funny to me. So,
0: while we're on that subject, there's actually a lot of Zeph connections. There's Ike Barinholtz in the opening credits. He was in Neighbors. Yes, we have Jason Mancus back from Dirty Grandpa. We've got Zeph and Lil Franco for the fourth movie that Lil Franco was in Charlie St. Cloud. Remember, he was like his military friend who died overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was also in both Neighbors movies. Yes. Zoe Dutch is in this movie somewhere. I don't remember where. She might have gotten cut or she might have a really small part. She's the one I have a really I have a really big crush on from Dirty Grandpa. Yeah. But she's back here. Tons of actions in here. Lots of Zephnexians. James and Dave Franco's older brother Tom is in the movie. Or no, 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 no. They have another brother. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tom Franco. He plays Carl. How would you like to be that guy? I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, Peyton and Eli yep. have a brother named Cooper. God and damn Cooper it, you not stole an NFL it. quarterback. <laughs> really? That's the exact gonna say same too. thing. Motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> uh, Jim Parsons, a.k.a. Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, Kate Upton, Eliza Coop, and Zach Braff all shot cameos, shot cameos for this movie that were cut for time. I feel like there's probably a ridiculous amount of movie that's left on the floor somewhere. That I don't know what's going to make it to the Blu-ray or not, but I feel like they probably had like a lot of movie they could have used because who didn't want to be in this? this? You know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. it's like
1: and there was a ton of characters in the book, so it's like it would it would have been really easy to fill this with as many people as you want. Like you could have called anyone and been like, "Hey, do you want to be in the disaster Artist about the room?" and they'd have been like, "Yeah, in." It's not hard to get people to commit to this.
0: That is all I have for notes, but now we didn't talk about our favorite part, though. My favorite part of the your movie,
1: part? and the the best, unarguably best part of this movie, is the fucking... Credit scene.
0: No, we can't say that that's better than Zeph. Zeph is better. No, the I mean, Zeph is, is just... the best part of the movie. Ugh. But the th- credit scene, like, it just. The side by sides?
1: No. No, no. no, no that. After
0: that, do you, do you know that? Past that. Uh, I don't
2: know if I saw that. Tommy, Tommy... as a
0: character <laughs> talking to James as Tommy.
2: Oh. You fuck, didn't see this? I'm... No, I missed that.
0: Oh, God, it's so good. It's disappointing. Like, so there's. No, the... that's the best part. I love that part. No, but, like, that just proves that this is a vanity project for Tommy. It is for you mean for Which James Franco it's for Tommy not for James Franco for Tommy like that's something that on James Franco's two hour epic long Mark Marin interview he talks about how like Tommy was like if we're doing this I have to be in the movie and he was like you oh. can't be in the movie this is about you and he's like no 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 I'll wear a mustache that people won't recognize <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember this part of this conversation. And so now. He, he showed up one day, just had drawn a mustache on. Oh my god. And he's like, Well what do you think of this? And James Turk was like, Well, this is like an actual movie, like we can just get you a mustache. He's like, No, 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 I'll do it. And like he dressed himself, he did his own hair, he drew the mustache on and it's that scene, it's really brief in the movie, Chris. But there's the scene where uh Dave Franco is talking to Gerard Carmichael, who's also in the neighbors' movies. He's talking to him and like Gerard's like about how his career is blowing up. He's like, You gotta ditch your weird friend. So mm. So at that same party, Tommy is there as a character and James is there as Tommy and they talk at the end. <laughs> mm. And it just, like, it's silly, but it just, it's it so just, good. It's grown worthy. I thought
1: it was really good. I want Chris to watch it and then hear his take on it. I really, really enjoyed that the final scene. I just like the idea of Tommy looking at himself in a reflection and Franco doing Tommy back to Tommy and Tommy trying not to do Tommy to Franco. And it just, like, the, the back and forth in my brain makes me really happy. But, okay, fine. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. Fair enough.
2: There's a good use of, what What song do they walk into the soundstage in slow motion to? I like that scene.
0: Oh, that is uh, Epic by, yes. it's a song from Rock Faith Band. No
2: More. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That was a good use of music in the film. Um I the music enjoyed that good, yeah. quite a bit. The music Rhythm
0: was really the good. the Night, a couple times, yeah. great. Fantastic. Is there anything else about the actual movie that we want to talk about before we get into the games portion of Zack Attack?
1: No, we didn't really talk about the movie, but we talked about about the movie. Because mm. there's not a lot of Zeph in it, so I think that we did a really good job of like dissecting what we liked and didn't like about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm happy with it. If you
2: like The Room, watch the movie. If you've never heard of The Room, read the book anyway. The book is that good.
0: Books yeah. Cool. The book is really good. Okay, so our first segment, our first game here, Chris, I don't know you listened to the Paperboy, the Paperboy episode, I don't know what games we had during the Paperboy, but we but we've added a, a few ton. different games oh, cool. here. We've got a bunch of different games. Love a good the game. the first segment we have up is the mailbag, where we have an email address, at cageclub.me. Email us, I'll read anything on air. Just the same thing that we do for Too Fast Too Forever for Magic Mics and Boyfriend Material. Email us let us know what you think of the show of the movie of whatever How about we we'll suck. read it on the next episode the good news if you're listening to this is that The Greatest Showman I think is coming out on a Blu-ray later this month or maybe next month so the next episode of Zack Attack is going to be soon Yeah, so true. beyond that I have no idea when the next movie is going to be I guess it's going to be the Ted Bundy movie so maybe later this year I don't know but if you write in after this episode, it'll be read right on the next episode, which will be in just a couple of weeks, I think. So, so, how many emails do we have? Three emails, four emails. Good, no, that's three not or three and a half. That's good. That's a good amount. That's a good amount. Go that's ahead. the
2: same amount of emails that Now and Again has gotten ever.
0: We actually get a lot of emails, Chris. I'm like, it's, it's honestly. Impressive and surprising. It fills me with joy. We beg for every them, time we get emails. We have to like do pull teeth to yes. get emails. So. ZachAttack at cageclub.me. So, first email from Jenny McMullen, who, super Chris, fan, is Jenny. a super fan who found us by searching Zach Efron on iTunes. She loves Zach Efron. And she's now listened to every episode. Now she listens to our new shows, too. Wow. So she's Thank you, best. Jenny. Jenny let awesome. me tell
2: you about now and again. <laughs> no, don't listen to it. It's
0: if you want to hear two snarky guys love music that's not on these albums and hate all the music that's on these albums, <laughs> <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> basically what it is right like you guys both love music it just happens to be not the music that's on the album look
2: every about. now and then we get like a britney spears song or something that we're in love with and you know or beyonce uh but most of the time it's yep. like middling 2000s r&b but we're fun see look how fun i am yeah.
0: yeah look how fun you are so this is an email joe that i've read i think a little bit on the other podcast oh was this the three-parter here. that was
1: like a part for each
0: one yes yeah, so okay i remember see what, what relates to Zeph here? she says hi guys I've listened to Magic Mike's Love the Logo Art and just finished the boy first boyfriend material minutes ago, but sending this to this email to for a couple of reasons. First, just have to let you know that I'm going to see the greatest showman tomorrow with a friend. Nice. Second, my job has changed location mostly, yep. but I'm now only listening to podcasts during my new forty-five minute Oof. commute to work and can't listen to them at work anymore because I'm constantly answering Aww. the phone. This will make sending emails less likely, which we know is not necessarily true because she sent in a lot of emails to our three new shows, so awesome. thank you again, we Jenny. Thank her.
1: We thank her a bunch, yep.
0: And can't take notes while driving, but since I'm only listening to one quarter of the 35 hours a week I was before, glad to say that all three of your new podcasts made the cut. So, Jenny, I hope you're able to find time in your new job schedule. To sneak in our all all of our favorite podcast, Zack Tack
2: And and especially now and again.
0: And especially now and again. <laughs> Turns out you guys are funny no matter what who or what you're talking about. I'm gonna cheat. And then she she talked about all these different things. Uh, the only thing really of actually there's a couple things that are of reference to Zack. She says she's not much of a Chan fan. He's got a hot bod, but he's not a pretty boy like Zack. He's just not my type. He doesn't so, look like me. Doesn't look doesn't look like Joe. Exactly. Exactly. I get it. Then she said, writers, the songwriters from La La Land are also the songwriters for The Greatest Showman for a link to Zeph. Oh, I didn't know that. So, this movie that you hate, La La Land, maybe you will not hate The Greatest Showman because it's a Zeph musical. I really like The Greatest Showman. so Well, I I love love Zeph musicals, and we know that. The rest of the email is just about the other shows, so I'm going to skip the rest of that. But thank you again, Jenny. We read that full email in its entirety on the other podcast so thank Thank you you, thank you thank you oh hi jenny this other email that she sent we might have also read another one email subject line gif we talked about this yes yes
1: chris how do you pronounce the word g-i-f as in a moving Uh, picture
2: better question is how do you pronounce the peanut butter spelled j-i-f jif how is g-i-f anything but gif thank
1: you j-i-f it's pronounced jif they've said jif it is GIF. I mean, whatever. You guys can all say it wrong, and that's
0: fine. Joe's only argument is that he says the guy who created it, the creator. says it's GIF. Yes. My thing is that any artist, and we're calling this guy an artist in this situation, as soon as you put your art into the world, just like Tommy Wiseau, it loses its meaning that you had, and it becomes whatever people want it to be. I agree, that and you so in say this that. case, in but this you're case, you're wrong. Two of the three people in this podcast think it's GIF, and so majority rules. Just like people embrace the room for being a bad movie. Glad you guys instead are of a serious drama,
1: new age redditors and not old internet curmudgeons. like Joey. Me
0: yeah we're not 4chan apple if you take like a shit it, yes. and
2: insist that we call it barry it does not mean that we have to actually call it barry you might just have a bad opinion on things
0: that would be like you
1: looking at an orange and be like this is now an apple <gasps> and you're like why is it an apple it was always an orange and you're like
0: no but now we call it an apple and you're like well that's I just think wrong. it's closer
2: to like tomato so. well, no, because
0: if if society deems that an orange is now called an apple that's what it is yeah i guess
1: I mean, whatever. I'm. I'm it's always going to be GIF to me because that was the original
0: intention. So anyway, the, the summary to this email, because we've already read it on at least one other podcast, is that Jenny also agrees with me. It is GIF, not GIF. So three to one, shot down real hard. Of wrong people. Three people are wrong to one people are right. Glad we're next in America. Email, Go ahead. Next email. Believe it or not, Joe, this is what I was telling you about today. We have a brand new listener who emailed us literally today. No way. Who is it? Her name is Erin O'Malley. Is <laughs> is it, it Zephron Lover 19? No, no, that was Rach. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just hoping. The only looked... reason I remember that is because Rachel, Rach, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's the only reason. Subject line, tap, tap, is this thing on? So already. Uh, okay. She gets, some she gets the feels. She gets the feels. For not feels. putting out new Zac Efron's. Okay. She says, Hello. Are you guys still recording? Yes. I literally did not... This is the craziest thing to me. This Go next sense is what I'm about to read. I literally did not know who Zac Efron was what? until I caught The Greatest Showman a few weeks ago, and I've since fallen down a ridiculous Zeph rabbit hole clearly wow I don't know how you don't know who Zach Efron is I, mean, I don't know I, where we could tell I'm you to amazed. start
2: I don't know how this is at the end of this rabbit hole
0: yeah so I don't know where she's gone but here the, the email does go on she says go ahead hence how I found your podcast and I've been devouring it while working these last few days <laughs> wow <laughs> she says please do a greatest showman episode we will like we said We're, it's coming that's the next one coming up a couple weeks yeah he's got a couple weeks that's Aaron it. Aaron goes on she says you guys have a great rapport I've been listening just to the ones that I've seen, and still have a ways to go. I'm stoked to check out the Nick Cage podcast once I'm done with these. So again, skip that, she po- is skip true that podcast. Move straight to boyfriend material. And... Well, that's what I was gonna say. Yes. Okay. Let, let me let me finish reading this email, and then we can get to that. I'm so excited to see him in the new Bundy movie, playing a serious role. Same. So are we we're both very excited. I was surprised to hear it at first, but I've since wrapped my head around it, and I think he's going to kick ass. As do we. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. says, anyway, thanks, guys, for the entertainment, Aaron. And so I responded to her. You're in the right place, Aaron. I said, hey, thanks for running and listening. Believe it or not, we're going to record a new episode tonight. Sadly, not about The Greatest Showman. That'll be next. But instead, it'll be about the Zesh Artist ETA March 13th. And then she responded. She said, thanks for the quick response time. Sounds excellent. And then she says, P.S., tell Rachel I don't remember where this is from you might remember better than me okay she says tell Rachel that I wholeheartedly cannot stand Tobey Maguire either when were we talking about Tobey
1: Maguire in some movie I was saying that I would cast Tobey Maguire as the guy and Rachel hates Tobey Maguire she hates the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man she really liked the Andrew Garfield ones and to me Tobey Maguire will always be Spider-Man much like Jeff, he is the one true original Spider-Man to my head you can replace him any way you want, but Andrew Garfield will never be. He's not doofy enough. You know what I mean? Well,
0: Andrew Garfield's already not Spider-Man. We've, I know. We've talked about this. I like too. the new. Well, I like the done. new new Spider-Man. Yeah, Tom Holland's good. Yeah, he's a good Spider-Man.
1: But Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. the Amazing Spider-Man series was garbage. And yes, Rachel hates Tobey Maguire. I'm sorry that you do too because I like Tobey Maguire. But that's...
0: I do think it's funny though that you talked about earlier about recasting Andrew Garfield in this movie. I guess that factors in like you hate those movies but you would think he would be good here as sort of a doofy bad actor. Yes. Although he's also really good in that Hacksaw Ridge movie. He was um, good in Hacksaw movie. Ridge. Yeah, he was. He he was. He has the jawline and the height. I thought he stole the social network. I need to see the social network again because I don't remember him in it. I also don't remember Rooney Mara in it. So She's only yeah, in it for uh, like, uh, I definitely a, need to rewatch it.
2: She's in it for less time than um, Allison Bree is in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, also, Tobey Maguire fucking sucks. <laughs> he's Spider Man. He, he you could say he
1: sucks, but he's Spider Man.
2: He single handedly ruined the fucking Great Gatsby. Like, that, oh, just, God damn it. I mean, now the Great Gatsby sucks for a lot of reasons, but Tobey Maguire makes everything. But it didn't he's have worse. to.
0: Like, it could have been this fun, you know, flashy, great soundtrack, Leo great as Gatsby. Like, it would have been better had Tobey Maguire not been. He was Nick, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, that goes for every movie that's guy. not Spider-Man or Pleasantville, question mark. Like, if you just take Tobey Maguire out of it, it's a better movie.
0: Yeah. We watched a Tobey Maguire movie for Watch the Throne, the Charl- Charlie Sterren podcast. He's in the Cider House Rules, and Mike and I were like, "Oh,
2: That movie is not And we nothing. nominated
0: him for our worst non charlies male actor yeah. in the movie, just because he's like, "Oh, he just Ugh.
2: Can you believe that yeah. he was part of the uh, the Pussy Posse?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why. That's why he is friends with Leo. Yeah. What? what
2: he must yeah. have been like the guy who, like, when everyone else left with a girl, like, he was the one holding the coats or something. Because <laughs> there's just there's just no way.
1: Yeah. Tony Maguire doesn't look like he's very sexual. He's he's completely asexual in my head, which is why Spider Man. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyways, thank you to our new friend who's named Aaron. Aaron. E-R-I-N? E-R-I-N, yes. Thank you, Aaron. I hope that you listen to this and that you hear that we talk about yep. you. And we yes. appreciate new fans, and we will keep making Zach attacks. I promise. They will always come out. We sadly won't always, but you know this, won't always have Chris here to join us. But we will keep making them.
2: But you know where where you can find me.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah we do know where you can find you, at Chris Podcast on Twitter. Uh, oh, that too. That's a sexy name. How'd you get that one?
2: Uh, It was just there. Yeah, that's like it. I'm just kidding. And it's my it's my real name. Like people don't <laughs> have the name Chris. Great. I'm Joe, Joe. Do your
1: Chris podcast? Yeah. There you go. My family
2: yep. invented podcasts in 1784.
1: <laughs> well, I'm gonna call them Podcoast. Oh
2: well. Hmm. <laughs> I appreciate. Yeah, you're trying to uh, pat like
1: he's so, petulantly he's so upset win about this the fight. Gift thing. GIF thing but yeah okay so erin
0: as we said you know listen to zach attack keep listening thank you for listening uh we have three other podcasts send us another email we'll fucking read it you heard us we'll fucking read anything we have too fast too forever by the fast and furious movies we have boyfriend material about ryan gosling movies. i don't know if you know about this but there's a guy
1: named paul walker and boy can we open your eyes to this one (laughs)
0: And we have magic mics about the Channing Tatum movies. So we also have 18, I believe, total shows, 17 or 18 at cageclub.me, including Chris's Now and Again, including other shows that Chris has been on, Cage Club, Keanu Club, Watch a Throne, all sorts of things. Although you haven't been on Watch this prone yet. You will be, mm-hmm. but you're not you haven't been on yet. Correct. We're in a very open relationship here.
1: So like you can hear me on a now and again. Mm-hmm. You can hear Joey on a now and again. Like, it's all it's all intermingled, man. You can so hear so you me like on to... literally every podcast. Yeah, so fucking if you think that I'm dreamy, like Zach Efron. Just find the ones that I'm in.
2: We're basically like a big community, like um, like a Waco or a Jonestown, you know? Yes,
1: yeah, so I was just going to say, like a commune.
0: I was just going to say that. Thank you. Yeah, we're all just Absolutely. drinking Kool-Aid over here, man. Very cool. So that's all the mailbag we have, but I think it was a very successful, and for the for the sole reason that we got emails from Jenny, sent to this email, that we've already addressed, but we read it here, and new listener and You're Aaron. So I am 100% down to be podcasting to a 100% female audience, but I am looking forward to the day where a dude emails us like, Liam, like either, (laughs) well yeah, Liam, but either a straight guy like us or, I mean, quote unquote straight, like, I mean, Chris is as straight as we are, like we're all straight, (laughs) but like we're straight, but either like us, we're like, bros, I love Zac Efron the way you do, or a gay guy who's actually in love with him, like whatever, if you're a guy out there listening, email us zachdak@cageclub.me. Let us know what you think. Um, we want—I yeah. just want to hear from you. Like whether you're listening to one episode or every episode. Whether hey, you, you, love us, you love Zach Efron or us. hate him, Tell I, I want to, to hear fuck from
1: off. you. You won't be the first person to do it. So
0: the next segment we have is Zach Efron news, which is new to this show. It's something that we do on the three new shows. Joe, we do we do. have a do we, do we have a top like do we have a, a segment name? Come up, we should call up this In the Sheets. Because it's in the streets. and uh, He's Zack in the streets, but Zeph in the sheets? Zeph in the sheets, yeah. Oh, oh. We need to build on the Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure 2 ending, where he's adorned in the sheets. And it exactly. drops off, and we see his massive, of. massive schlong. So, okay, <laughs> Zef and the sheets. The
2: only word I understood for, like, the last three minutes was schlong.
0: There you go. Okay, so,
1: th- so- we, we well, let me, ex- <laughs> let me learn you today, boy. So we watched, we watched all the high school musicals, right? And then there was a spinoff movie called Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure, where Ashley Tisdale went to New York. Sadly, Zach Efron's not in it, but we were like, this is, sounds fucking amazing, and we thought that he might be in it, so we watched it, and then we got Liam, who is another, who's our English friend, Zach Efron fan, Nerd on Nerd podcaster, and
0: he watched it with us, and we discussed an entire movie that had no Zac Efron in it. And he made a really good point that, like, he's like, I'm glad that you guys brought me on because I love Zach Efron to talk about a movie that doesn't have Zac Efron in it. Hell yeah. Yeah. So then, wait, so so oh. the next the next extension
1: is, we found a girl who wrote erotic fan fiction of Sharpay's fashion Fabulous Adventure. And that was Sharp Fabulous Adventure 2. Correct. And it was written by Zephron Lover 19, which is now the password for everything that I have. <laughs> Zephron Lover 19. <laughs> so if you if you want my bank account, Zephron Lover 19, just go for it.
2: Man, Erin O'Malley is getting <laughs> and, cause the whole li- like Cage Club connected universe. Like she's going to be really ready when we fight Thanos.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so she wrote all of this like erotic fa- so we we read what, 25 chapters of erotic it fan was
0: It was about 50 pages in words, single-spaced.
1: Single-spaced. It, it took me a long time to read. There's no penetration for, like, the first 24 <laughs> chapters. And then they quadruple-spaced. And then they quadruple-spaced the fuck out of it. And it ends with Zach, which is the sheet on his dick, just hard, just rock hard.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, that's all you need to know. There you go. And just oh, the only man. other thing you need to know is that quadruple-spaced is a term... Coined in *Me and Orson Welles*, which is an early Zach Efron movie, where writers used to quadruple space. Like they would get down to business, and then before describing, like in, in novels, before describing the sexual act, they would just hit enter four times or hit return four times. So if you see like, like a big blank your space, mind sort of wander. So like mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. Know you they fill they in fall. the gaps, oh. and so we were yeah. talking about you know quadruple spacing. It actually happens in Me and *Wells*, and then it happens again in *Charpays Five Adventure 2. So we were very upset. <laughs> the greatest literary achievement. I can't believe you haven't read this because this is um, like I'm going to check it out. That.
2: That's kind of like the the big the big gap there. I wonder if th- that those pages are like a lot more crusted and worn than the other ones. Like it's. Um...
1: I think I still have my paper copy sitting on my <laughs> table right here. I do. I can see it. You printed it out? Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to get I in I it. I need to.
0: Read it in mm. bed so I could get the full, the f- <laughs> the, f- the full fanfic. Like I need, I was in it, man. That quote-unquote movie with the fan fiction story, won at least one, if not two, Zach Attack Zephy Awards. So <laughs> yes, it, it, did. it was a very It went home adorned from the Zephy. So. <laughs> it did. Wow. Poor Rage never responded to us on Aww. Twitter. <laughs> she could have been on, but okay. I know. Yeah. We tweeted at her a couple times, like, hey, will you come on to accept <laughs> this award? <laughs> nope. Aww. But shout out Abigail Navity from Summerland, who has responded to us a couple times on Twitter. Uh, this actress who played like an eight-year-old on a TV show that Zack Efron was <laughs> on. Uh, we found her on Twitter. She's got a couple hundred <laughs> followers. we tweeted at her. And, and she, she responds. She loves so it. She's so happy that we <laughs> love her in that show. So. She was in
1: that show, and, and she was in SVU the other day, too. Like, I was yep. watching
0: Law & Order SVU, and she's just, like, in the fucking show. I was like, whoa, shit! Yeah. Yep. Okay. Back, Back to in the, the games. The news segments. Uh, I have a bunch of things. I stopped keeping track of news just because there's so much time in between. This was around when Greatest Shimmer was coming out. On J14.com, which I know is Chris R's homepage. The subject of the title of this article says, um, what? And then the ghost Edward Munch emoji, where he's got the blue head but the yellow face and he's like slapping his hands like he's stunned. Zach Efron legitimately didn't think he was good enough to do another musical. But then he did The Greatest Showman, (laughs) and it was. Wow, that
2: is hard-hitting journalism awesome
0: it's definitely there was a there was a story from cnn entertainment the next day wait can i just say that i i I want to imagine
1: that the person that wrote the j14 article is like really like a 30 year old man like us probably that would make my life so much better if it was just like this like one of us like
0: what (laughs) like
1: okay never mind go ahead the next day
0: on cnn there was a story called why zach efron chose the greatest showman for his musical comeback so again, like, I don't know. I'm not reading. I'm just reading the headlines because these articles are two months old, and I we don't okay. have time for me to read articles. What were on the what, this? what were the good what was the good ones? I thought you had some good ones lined up. Or was it just I just save stuff. I'm uh, okay. there's one from E News saying should Zac Efron return to musicals forever? I say yes. Yes. There's a there's a story from the Daily Mail saying I have messed up in the past. Zac Efron admits he isn't ashamed of his mistakes. As the actor says, he is "quote very proud of the person he is today." So and our little is. Zeph has grown up. Yeah, there is Zac Efron in a video about socks, a Bombas video. I think yeah, I saw this. I did see watch this. this. I
1: watched it. Can you can you summarize it? Zac Efron is selling these socks, and they're essentially like toms for socks. Like, you buy a pair, they get a pair. They give a pair to homeless people. So, they're like yep. these fun socks, and you buy a pair, That's and then the cool. homeless person gets a pair of fresh, clean socks. And so, he Love like partnered it. with them because he likes the idea of it. So, yeah, I remember. So do
0: it. I. Yeah. There was another. Oh, I remember this, and this was a good one. That 17.com put up a clickbait article 13 Zach Efron movies to binge watch with the squad this weekend. And I wrote. If you binge 13 Zac Efron movies this weekend, boy, do do I I ever have a podcast for you. you. Also, this is is not a news thing,
1: but Joey and I both took the quiz, which is, can you guess what movie Zac Efron's shirtless (laughs) in? And we both got perfect scores on it.
0: It said, can you guess the movie based on his abs?
1: Oh, that's right. Based on his abs. And we got a perfect score. That's it was really incredible. easy. Seven for seven. Yep. Yeah.
0: There was even the, the toughest one, I think, is from point. the Paperboy. No, it's Paperboy. Which you're is right. When he's in the scene with Macy Gray and he's like in his underwear and he's like flopping around in his bedroom and Macy Gray's there as, as the maid or the whatever. And she's, you know, just like, oh, you wild little boy or whatever. There was a story, quote unquote, story on Cosmopolitan in December about... Zach Efron riding a tidy tricycle in the middle of New York City Ooh, um, he did a cross- world, crosswalk musical on the Late Late Show and it was great oh I remember this yeah Rachel made me watch that yeah there is speculation again this is from mid-December I only saved all these in mid-December because I just I had like 10 and I'm like how many are we going to save until we like do Zach Efron again because plus everything that's come out the last couple of months has just been about you know new pictures from on the set on you know the Ted Bundy movie so yeah how many times can we bring that up are Zach Efron and Rebecca Ferguson dating Rebecca Ferguson from Greatest Showman. Sorry to um, interrupt CLC, um, her...
2: Her... the news segment. He's not playing Ted Bundy in that movie, is he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Okay.
0: <laughs> we are, Boy, do we you know, have a podcast for you. Boy, <laughs> do we have a podcast for you. We are fully on board because we do genuinely think he's a good actor, and we cannot wait for him to break out of this kid. frat boy role, yeah. like a kid yeah. role. Yeah. And I think the Greatest Showman, he plays like a full-fledged adult. And it's a return to musicals, which I obviously love. It's his fifth musical, at least, because he's got three high school musicals. He's got Hairspray. He's got this. Oh, yeah, he was. Uh, Joe's it? not crazy about musicals. We might like this one because it's a Zeph one. But it's a different type of role, which is cool. This is a different type of role. Like, it's not really a frat boy role. It's like he's sort of expanding his wheelhouse. And then Ted Bundy, shockingly evil, vile, weird, whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I want him to do, like, the full insomnia slash one-hour photo Robin Williams transition, even though Robin Williams was older. But, like, I want to see him do serious roles. So, like, I'm excited to see him play a murderer. We've seen him play some serious roles, but they were always, like, small parts because he was younger. And then, like, once he hit his, like, stride in, like, you know, uh, romantic comedies and stuff like that, it like, he kind of left this behind for a while. Well, so that's kind
2: of the whole thing about Ted Bundy and why this casting works a lot better than, like, fucking Jared Leto in the movie where he played the guy who killed John Lennon and, like, ate a million things of ice cream and gained 50 pounds for one of the worst movies I've ever seen, uh, is the whole thing is, like, Ted Bundy was, like, surprisingly, like, attractive and charismatic, and so that when people found yeah. out he was butchering all these co-eds, they were like, really, that guy? So I feel like... I want to believe he can pull off a role like this, but I'm skeptical. But well, I like saw the him casting. Chris, you
1: saw him as Chris R. So I did, and I, I know. Think they, I think that there's potential.
0: Yeah, we're we're optimistic.
2: I I knew he was doing a Ted Bundy movie, but I just assumed he wasn't doing Ted Bundy.
0: Oh yeah, he's Ted Bundy. He looks good, like in Ooh. the pictures. Like he looks. Yeah. He, he fits the role. I've so. been I've been newsed. Yeah.
2: I, I'm Great. I'm now in the sheets.
0: Yeah. Jeff <laughs> in the sheets. Chris R. In the sheets. Your hard as a rock. Chris podcast the last on news the streets. that I have on is the Joe. You'll remember this. There was that guy that the, that Twitter was freaking out about, the Zac Efron doppelganger. Yes, I do
1: remember this.
0: It was essentially just like Zac Efron. This is
1: what I really thought. When Joey told me today that something exciting happened, there was a guy that was posting all these Zac Efron pictures, but he would like mildly edit them. Right, like very like softly edit them so like they weren't the same pictures that Zack was putting on his Instagram. And I'm like, oh, this is just like a Zac Ephron catfish. And I was hoping that Maximum Joseph, the (laughs) director of our favorite Zac Ephron movie, We Are Your Friends. We're never gonna be better than this. We're never gonna be RP Squirrel. Called us as foremost Zack Ephron experts to help him uncatfish the Zack Ephron catfish. And that's what (laughs) I hoped was happening tonight. But
0: Alas, did not, but on the other hand, I'm actually more excited that Aaron O'Malley emailed us because she's a real person with actual who actually cares about us as opposed to Max and Joseph, Amen. who does not know about us yet. I
2: imagine that would be a lot like the Marissa Tomei car scene in My Cousin Vinny. What? You guys getting called to the stand to identify which yeah, background yeah. is yeah. correct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, that scar on his eyebrow is real and we know it. He got it when he was shooting
0: this movie. Pause attraction. Also we will have a piece of paper in front of us on the stand, and then we leave, and the paper was blank. They're like, oh my god, that was all from the heart. Just like in Seventeen again. <laughs> Just like in Seventeen again. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. That's all the news I have. Do you have any other news? Did you find any other news? Any other no, 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 no.
1: I, 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 I totally forgot about the news, so you, you killed it. Thank you for carrying that.
0: Okay, so the next game is the Google game. Let's see if we can play this. So Zach Efron, the Disaster Artist. So, okay, so Chris, the premise of
1: this game, Joey types in Zach Efron, Disaster Artist, and I try to complete the auto completes.
0: Oh, I like it. So, yeah. unfortunately, we can't play it because oh. the only one. I searched Zach Efron, the disaster artist, and the only thing it's that like comes Chris up R. is scene. No, just scene. It's just like, uh, let me watch the scene lame. that he's in.
1: Usually, usually, guesses are like hair, shoes, <laughs> workout, age. Workout, age. Yeah. That's interesting. Like that,
2: if you did that so. with any female actress it would probably autocomplete to feet
1: feet
0: yeah yep. mm-hmm. feet absolutely oh there's a lot of foot fetishers oh, oh yeah. my god if you search any actress on like literally any female celebrity like third or fourth is feet
1: oh crazy. dame at, helen the worst wow okay damn it's a thing i i didn't know it so but thank you for sharing
0: next thing we're gonna do is the trailer game which i did not see this trailer actually no i maybe i did see this trailer so I, I did i did i did I did, I saw it. It's just, it's just the one with fucking him doing the roof scene. Yep. Yeah. So we're still going to do it because it's a, it's a staple of Zack Attack. Yeah. I searched on YouTube for the Disaster Artist trailer. There are two... That were posted by A24. Shout out to A24, one of our favorite production studios. I agree. They made Spring Breakers. They made a, they've made they made a ton of really great movies. Them and Annapurna team up. They kill it. Both great. A24 made The Disaster Artist. You know, got James Franco a Golden Globe for Best Actor, which we didn't say yet. They are truly a marvel. And I feel bad that we're talking down to A24. But I just don't like this movie very much. But anyway. That's fine. I searched YouTube The Disaster Artist Trailer. Top one, first one comes up. Seven million views, five months Chris, ago. Chris, you know
1: this game. What we do is we just like watch a trailer and talk talk about how it was different than the movie or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, okay,
2: it's cool. we
0: just watch it and just do live commentary over it. Yeah. so that's it.
2: Basically, yeah. just the movie scene. Uh, it sure. might be Disaster Artist trailer. I got it. I know how to Google. Uh, oh, this one, is it the one with him where he's in front of the green screen or the one with his shirt off?
1: The one where he's, like, doing the, like, arm flailing.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah. I, pu- I, put,
0: I put the link in Discord.
2: Yeah, okay, that's the one I clicked. Cool. All right, let's 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 watch this. This one right. might not
0: just be the one. So so I'm going to say 3, 2, 1, play, and then on play, click play. So if you guys are ready, 3, 2, 1, play. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here we go. 824. There's Los Angeles. We got Greg be being driving, so young, be so hopeful. hurry. They and never came back.
1: Of people. All I can think about is what if they laugh at me oh, the yeah. Stella Scene is also weird like
0: yeah I want to feel that I like it I like it but it just it it's weird to start the like it, it feels like see there's him trying to
1: try to not throw a football yeah <laughs> there's
2: there's a Sharon stone
1: yeah see, I, been, seen the most yeah sorry, sorry yeah that was like really they should have um, cut that, that.
2: Uh, See, I think it should have been more of that, like, more of his weird stuff. That wasn't in the book, right? No, that wasn't in the
1: book. Yeah, I guess,
2: I don't know if it was cringe humor. It was just cringeworthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They also in this in this trailer he says he also might be a vampire, yeah. which they talk about in the book, but they don't talk about it in the movie. They just put it in this trailer and then it got cut out.
0: No Mickey Mouse. Like I was saying, I think there's probably a ton of this movie on the chopping room floor. Yeah, yeah the alley
1: joke.
3: Oh hi Mark, doesn't work. Here we go. Yeah.
1: And then the night, maybe. I'm oh, pursuing. who's that? That's. Oh, yeah, that's um, little little Franco's wife. Yeah, little Franco's wife.
2: They did come in. There is Zef. Oh,
1: uh, oh, there we go. We got a we got a quick shot of yeah, Zeph slapping the basketball out of his hand. Cheap, 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 oh, cheap, I
2: forgot cheap. about uh, Peta as uh, Denny. That was pretty good.
1: Oh,
0: Peta as Denny is perfect. Yeah. yeah, Josh Hutcherson. Josh. Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. Why you cut, this, this, is real, right. this is real acting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't remember if it's in the book, but one thing that I really liked about the movie is when Tommy first picks Greg up, and he's like, "Oh, your friend, little kid." And then Greg's talking about how nice his car is. He's like, "You know, I don't, I don't have a lot of friends with cars." He's like, "Yeah, because all your friends are little kids." <laughs> yeah, and I love that. Like, that's wonderful. Like, I wish that there was more of them. Like, I wish there was more build-up. And if they were going to improv
1: it, to keep improving it like that. Like when he has, hi doggy. hi doggy. Okay, the end of the trailer. But if they were going to improv it, I want them to improv it like when the mom is like, "How old are you?" And he's like, "Old as Greg." And she's like. <laughs> you're 19 he's like yeah she's like i'm 14 he's like happy birthday you know like yeah that was like some of the fun of like having franco do tommy his own way you know what i mean like imagining what could happen like fill in the gaps with weird shit like that that wasn't in the book not just like make up random scenes and shit
2: they did get considering they cast brothers i thought maybe they weren't going to touch it but the weird like one-sided like homoeroticism of their relationship the movie did did mm-hmm. get that decently very much on the margins um which is fine it probably didn't do enough
1: yeah cuz tommy like had a had a thing for gray oh, yeah. i think oh i
2: think I th- the we book... can
1: kind of feel that in the book yeah. right
2: mm-hmm. yeah the book definitely touched that we only really get it touched on when he's like jealous of alison Bree's character kind of existing
1: yeah but, like, in the movie, like, the whole, like, baby face and stuff like that, like, he he's definitely, like, he likes Greg.
2: It's, again, it's it's why um Townsend and Mr. Ripley works so well as a parallel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, the next game we have, so, th- so, so some bad news for you, listener. I could have gone back and listened to the last episode, but I thought I had saved somewhere guesses for crying and shirtless. I remember Joe's was that Tommy was auditioning Zeph and wanted him to get shirtless. And that was how the shirtless... I don't remember what the crying was. Maybe the crying was probably like... I think like, he
1: told him he couldn't be in the movie or something. That's what I
0: would guess. I don't remember what mine was, but I remember yours as like the like sort of the cast and couch scene, sort of the, you know, shirtless and then make him cry, whatever. So Chris, have you seen The Greatest Showman or no?
2: Uh, no, I have not. I'm not really a musical fan um, and I will probably okay. never see it. Perfect. Okay.
0: So here's what we're gonna do So I've seen it And I just saw it a couple months ago Because it just came out So what we're gonna do Is we're gonna have Both of you guess The Greatest Showman Which do you know what it's about?
2: Is it like a a Musical version Of Some circus guy's life No Barnum
1: and Bailey Right? Yep
2: But like they make him not be a monster Like he was in real life? Sort of like Maybe. this movie?
0: Um, You'll have to see. You'll have to tune back in a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. find out what we think well, okay. of it. I'm going to let Joe go first, because Joe is the unabated master of this. Okay. Unabashed Kay. master. I in got The it. Greatest Showman, a movie that you have not seen, how is Zac Efron shirtless, and why will he cry? He is shirtless
1: because he is the lion tamer. Okay. And he likes to tame lions shirtless, just sweaty and hot he's in the Lion Tamer cage, yep. and P.T. Barnum walks over, and he's like, these lions aren't cutting it anymore, and he's like, but this is my life, and as he's, like, <laughs> responding to him, the lion, like, bites his calf, and he just, like, rise in pain, and he starts crying from, like, his leg being bitten off, and P.T. Barnum just, like, walks away, like, he doesn't give a fuck, and that's how it is, <laughs> and then they sing about it, and he's like, okay. my leg, my leg, my leg, my leg, yeah, and then... <laughs>
0: That's how he's shirtless and crying.
2: Oh, well, silly me okay. thinking maybe I should take this game seriously.
0: That, uh, that was no, a serious you guess. You should absolutely take this game seriously, Chris. I don't know, what, I don't know yeah. why you would ever think that we're not I'm taking this game very seriously. i
2: um, I didn't mean to disparage your um, hypothesis. Go ahead. Oh.
0: So your guess My... for how
1: Zac Efron will be shirtless and crying in a yep. movie about P.T. Barnum okay. that's also a musical. So
2: I assume yep. this movie is just Moulin Rouge, but in a different, slightly different setting. Oh. So I think oh, he's going to be shirtless... We're not going to see the actual sex act. It's going to be like you know a train going into a tunnel, like in those old movies. We're going to fade up, (laughs) and someone's going to come into the room, and he's going to be in bed with somebody, and that person's going to be like, (gasps) and he's going to be like, but wait, and they're going to be like,
1: (gasps) is it Hugh Jackman? Is he in that? Yeah.
2: Then I hope so. He's Barnum. Oh, oh, okay, sure. Fuck it. Yeah, why not? Um, But oh no, then Hugh Jackman's (laughs) in in He's in
0: bed with Hugh Jackman, or Hugh Jackman comes in the room. Well,
2: I want it to be that he's in bed with Hugh Jackman, but that isn't what it's going to be. Hugh Jackman's going to come in. And Zac Efron will have slept with um, someone else, the, the the trapeze artist or the gymnast or something like that, oh, and he'll be like, you're, she's flexible, and he'll be like, you're out of okay. the you're out of the you're out of the show.
1: Oh, and he's gonna cry and go ahead, because then how does he cry? They don't have to be related; they can be two completely oh, separate thoughts. Well, maybe maybe
2: saying. it's in mourning for they they have sex to like heal, but he's gonna cry because the prize elephant dies, like his his oh. his buddy the elephant passes away.
1: Oh. And... I like that. That was good. And he's really upset about it. That was good. Joey, were we close? You're both 100%
0: right. Okay. All of those things happen in the movie. Hell yeah. Good. Thanks.
2: R.I.P. Elephant.
0: R.I.P. R.I.P. Squirrel. It's it's the saddest. It's the saddest thing.
2: Probably like Simba's Simba's, uh, dad dying and then like... it just cuts to to
0: Dumbo (laughs) it just cuts to
1: Dumbo and the mom is like the elephant that died right
0: (laughs) so we also had on the list like a new job or a new sport that he could play but like that was never really I was never super sold on that and we I I like the sort of simplistic guessing of just the two crying shirtless the two main Zac Efron things in this movie he does not cry He does not get shirtless, though he does wipe his mouth with his wife beater or whatever. Yeah. And we almost get a little bit of Zac Efron abs, but we do not, so. Sad.
1: Chris, he's shirtless and cries in pretty much, like, every movie TV show ever. Yeah. So that's why we we do these guesses. He's, like, mainly shirtless and crying in, like, a lot of shit to the point where, like, even in the what were they like the Columbia jacket commercials his brother makes a joke about him always being shirtless hmm. like in all of his movies and stuff so.
2: I mean I don't know much about yeah. the crying stuff but I imagine that um Baywatch must have just like broken the meter on this on this game
1: no <laughs> actually not
2: <laughs> really <laughs> there's uh, a Babers lot too. of shirtless
1: and a lot
0: of crying in a lot of these
2: <laughs> oh, okay well yeah. Yeah. I know? I'm good. not a I'm not exactly No, character.
0: it's okay. I'm just teasing you. So, we have two more games. The next game we have is the Letterboxd game. So, you get, you both, this is the first time I think that we, you both get to play this, which oh. is very exciting. Oh,
2: cool. cool.
0: For reference sake, there's a, there's a couple different games that we play here, Chris. So, yes, clearly. For reference sake, first, Mad Max Fury Road, which we thought was the most popular film on Letterboxd, but we found out recently that it just, not. we sort by popularity, as number one, but actually more people have seen a few other movies, including The Dark Knight, which I think is the most logged movie on Letterboxd. However, Mad Max Fury Road has been seen by 204,000 people on Letterboxd. The Disaster Artist, which only came out last year, I'm going to let both of you guess. How many people on Letterboxd do you think have seen The Disaster Artist?
1: You go first, Chris.
0: The only hint that I'm going to give is that the number is big enough that there are no tens or ones. You only have to guess the thousands and the hundreds. Unless
1: you want me to go first. You want me to go first?
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, sure, go ahead. I don't really know what the scale is here.
0: That's why we give you Mad Max. Mad Max is (laughs) 200. That was the scale. The amazing thing, the truly remarkable thing, is that Joe is some kind of savant at this game. (laughs) He has been ridiculously close a few times. Okay. To the point where I suspected him of cheating, not that he would, but he was so good <laughs> a few movies in a row that I'm like, there's no way you're not cheating because like it's I'm remarkable not. how close you are. I'm going 57.3. 57.3. All right, Chris. Uh, what's your guess? Uh,
2: 69, Bob. 69,000
1: 69, or 69?
0: 69 <laughs> no, 69,000. 1,000. Go 1,000. You are both over.
2: Uh,
1: okay. 29.8. Well,
2: now I just can't get out of my head that video of the guy who keeps saying 420, Bob, on Prices Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what did you say? You said 24? I'm going to say... He said 29.8. Eight. I'm going to say... Much lower than I thought. I'm going to say 17.6.
0: You are both under. One more guess. Between okay. Joe's guesses of 29 and 57. Okay. Joe, your third guess. Third, third. and final guess. Make it a good one. 33.5. And Chris? 30,
2: 33. I'm going to say 36.8.
0: So the closest one all game long was Joe's original guess of 57. It has been seen by 48.6 thousand oh, people. Dude, I was pretty close.
1: I was pretty You were close. not
0: too far off. No, I was. It was a pretty good But when I said guess. you were over, you went like dramatically under. Yeah, okay. So... Fair okay, point. so now the next game though is out of those 48,600 people, how many of them put the movie in their top 4 favorite films of all time? Oh
2: god, I hope not that many.
0: 237.
2: Chris? 95.
0: You are both over. Just Thank one god. more guess here. So Whoa, it's less okay. than 95. yeah Damn. Good. 63. 14. 61. Wow. Pretty close. Pretty, Pretty close. close. Okay. So now the last letterbox game that we play is I look at those 61 people and I find someone who's watched it a bunch, who's written a bunch of reviews about it. So our number one guy that we're going to go to is Is Me Benji, who gave it only a four and a half out of five, but he liked it and he wrote three reviews about it. It's in his top
1: four, and it's in his top four.
0: It's in his top four. So, Chris, now the
1: game is we have to guess the other three movies in his top four. Okay, this I love. So
0: here's a thing. So this is a little bit of a catch. So sometimes people in their bio explain what their top four is. And his bio Mm -hmm. says his top four are his top four of last year. So this is a little bit of an easier game. His four favorite films from 2017. Disaster Artist is number four. What are his top three favorite movies from last year? Guardians of the Galaxy 2. No. Chris, you have a guess?
2: Baby Driver.
0: Baby Driver Ooh. is his number one. Oh, good job. And not only that, but his profile picture is of baby in the car in the opening scene. So this wow. guy is all in. Damn, on baby Chris. Driver. Good job. I, this I'm really bad at this one. Number two and number three.
2: I think I can get okay. one more. Joe maybe. should
0: get one of these for sure. Briggsy Bear, no. American um, Honey. That no, was not last. Year. Can
2: I make two Go guesses?
0: Ahead. Sure. Because I think ahead. I might be
2: able to get them. Last Jedi, and Logan.
0: No and no. Guy, okay, what are they? Joe, you should really get one of these. You, specifically, with me, should get one of these. Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049 is number gonna, three. I was kay. gonna guess and that. And his number two favorite movie is Call Me By Your Name. The Oh, okay. Army Hammer. Okay. Okay. I Jay just watched it the other day.
1: Yeah. Solid let Let's go four. swimming right now! <laughs> Did you see Call Me By Your Name, Chris?
2: I have not seen that yet. I've heard good things, though.
1: When, whenever you watch it, just remember, let's go swimming right oh, now.
2: I'm disappointed I didn't guess 2049, because that was my initial guess, but then once I got Baby Driver, I was like, let's... Feeling let's, a little let's, cocky? Let's lower it down a little bit. Let's let's dumb this list down some.
0: We play that game on every podcast that we do, and last night we recorded the episode of Supercross, which is a Channing Tatum movie <laughs> about motocross. <laughs> it was awesome. We found a guy who had Supercross in his top... No, he didn't have it in his top four, because nobody had it in their top four. Yeah. yeah. But... He gave it three stars and he wrote like a favorable review about it. And one of his four favorite movies was Fast and the Furious. And we had talked about Fast and Furious a lot on the episode. And I was like, Joe, you should get this one. He's like, I don't know, what is it? That's why I keep saying like what so if you remember, when I'm like, You should get this one means we do a podcast about this guy. Right. It's That's either a I Zach movie, it. Fair It's enough. a it's a gosling movie, it's a Fast and Furious movie, or it's a Channing Tatum movie. We have one more game, Chris. Our last game on the show is Fire Ass Titles. Oh, Last game coined by Jess Montez shout out Jess Montez high school musical is about the most bland boring name for that it could possibly be Mm -hmm. so if you were going to basically high school musical this movie this movie rename this movie to like its core essence or even not even that just like basically what would you rename this movie what would you do I'm gonna start with one that was I think the working title and the only reason I know this because it was on Zac Efron's IMDb
2: I was thinking the exact same thing The the masterpiece yeah yeah. That was going to be mine too if we had to make a really boring bland title. I was going to yep. steal that fucking thing exactly. Yeah, that's that's I'm so glad they didn't use that. It's terrible. Yep,
1: I agree. I'm going to call it All right. New Orleans. Okay. Keep going. We just we just do these in a round until yep. somebody hits a jackpot.
2: Oh boy. I'm not I'm not too good at this kind of thing. You guys keep, keep you can keep going. It's okay.
1: So wait, I'm going to call wait. the next one. It has
2: to be a bad title. It has to be like a bland title you're saying?
1: Anything. Babyface. Wizo's World.
2: Uh the director.
1: The wide wide world of Wizo. <laughs>
2: Planet Why So?
1: Fashion, real Hollywood movie.
2: Mm, I really like that. <laughs> Not one, Mickey Mouse
1: shit. <laughs> Dueling cameras. Ooh,
2: that's good. Written, directed, produced, and starring.
0: Oh, I do like that one. This has never been done before. The roof. <laughs> I th- is that
1: it? Did I win? The roof. I think that's it. Okay. Thank you. The Unless roof. Chris, you have Not one the more.
0: Room.
2: Uh, no, I, 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 I don't. But how about? Um, the, the chris r
1: story
0: oh i like that i like that a lot I like and you chris know why i like r. that yeah. that's just it's all about Zeph.
1: yeah exactly
0: so thank you chris for joining us on this nonsense of a podcast yeah, maybe I hope you'll you enjoyed be on it. future other podcasts of ours we'll probably have you on too fast you forever at some point because that will go on forever ever so Yeah, on that one at some point but people can check you out at your now and again podcast which comes out twice a month on the first and 15th why don't you give the elevator pitch for what now and again is
2: well, oh boy! Now it again, tra- kind of in a transitionary period right now, we're about to kind of uh, expand our brand a little bit. But in the past, um, in the in the mold of the Cage Clubs and the Keanu Clubs, uh, we take the now that's what I call music series of compilation albums, and we've been going through them volume by volume, way back from nineteen ninety nine, two
1: parts, mm-hmm, and
2: all the way up till uh, I think we're now in two thousand and four though we're kind of branching out into talking about more general pop stuff because this is a way to drive yourself insane, uh, as I've been learning. Yeah. But we are still doing that, and I think we're on volume 15 now. We're about to break into the second Bush era. You know, we're 2004, post-911. Things are about to get pretty pretty weird, but uh, a lot better than they were. The boy bands are gone. Kind of a transitionary period. We're going to get into some Outkast and um, some... The good old days. Yeah, Justin Timberlake on his own. Some stuff like that, and uh, country music is coming on fast. Unfortunately, so uh, uh. it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a weird transitionary period until we. Uh, uh, you know, I just I, just, I can't. <laughs> I, I, it's it's not gonna be great for. But if you want to hear, if you like bad movie podcasts, and you want to hear a bad music podcast where the people hosting it are just just driving themselves insane, <laughs> uh, and yeah. it's a total breakdown and flames on the side of my face. Tune in to now and again. It's it's. If you think I'm funny on here, maybe you'll like me more when I'm losing my mind. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Plus, you have not said the the biggest selling point of Now and Again, which is your co-host Nico, who has Nikopedia. And Nico is more knowledgeable about the nonsense of Now and Again than we are about even Zach Efron. Like, he knows everything about this. This is his world. We all just live in it. Yeah. Yeah. Nico is great. So shout out Nico if you're listening to this. I know that Kevo, his husband, loves Zach Efron. I don't know if they listen to Zach Attack. But I know that Kevo really loves Zach Efron, so maybe they're listening to this. And if they are, hello... Send us an email. <laughs> Nico and Kevo. Send us an email. ZachThack at oh. CageClub.me.
2: I don't think we've ever had, like, a now-and-again connection, a now, a now and again Genshin. But I once went to a... What
0: about a Knautian?
2: Knautian. I like that. Uh, we went to a midnight showing of the room, Nico and I, and Kevo and a couple other people, back in, like, 2009. And there's a great picture of us with uh, Greg and, and Tommy. And, uh, yeah, so... There's some, there's some, not with Zach Efron, I guess, at all. Uh, So I guess maybe it's not so much of a connection. But uh, yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah, that's uh, fine. He and I have known each other for a long time. We have a great rapport. I have nothing else to say.
0: Are you just stealing the compliments that Aaron O'Malley gave to me and Joe? Like, hey, yeah, you are. I have good, I have (laughs) great rapport too. I, I know friends.
2: (laughs) You have a great back catalog. You can get through it all in like a couple days at work. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
0: The actual, the nice thing about your music is about the now and again, is either everybody has heard the songs or no one has heard the songs. Like, there's no... Like, you can... If you want to go back and, like, listen to everything, it's all available. But, like, either you've heard the song a million times or, like, no one has heard the song. And so it doesn't really matter if you listen to the disc beforehand. Unless you're doing prep to actually record the show, listeners don't have to listen to the music. yeah. Especially since you splice in a little bit of a, like, a hook or whatever. Sort of refresh people of what what it sounds like.
2: And at the same time, it's very much been about this kind of question, like, what is culture and what is pop music to somebody's life because we've kind of taken some time when we hit milestones in our lives to talk about where we were like when the song came out like we remember this song from like our eighth grade dance or something like that and I mean we've gone right now from us being in eighth grade to us about to be in college Um, so we've crossed this like really weird kind of couple of years in our lives and we discuss that as well and I think music does connect uh, in some visceral way to everybody and we explore that as well it's not just going mad listening to a bunch of like terrible Backstreet Boys b-sides
0: yeah. yeah. Which I wish we could do something like that on Watch the Throne, because Mike and I are basically mired in a stretch of, like, five or ten terrible Charlize Theron movies in a row, and we Good can't be like, hey, so where rock. were you when you were not watching this movie in 2005 or 2006 or whatever, like, or 2002, wherever we are, 2002, I guess.
2: Let me tell you about rain- how Reindeer Games shaped me as a high schooler.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is bad. It is a bad movie. But, Chris, thank you for being on here. I
2: just wanted to say thank you for... Um, fulfilling what has been like a two or three year venture because the moment that I found out that Zac Efron was in this movie, uh, I messaged Joey and I was like, yep. shotgun that episode.
0: Fair. Yep. <laughs> and I do want to say that the next episode, we will have another guest, another first time guest to Zach Attack. Ew. She wanted to be on uh, I'm going to bleep it out because we have the beep technology, but it's <laughs> of <laughs> Oh, she loves the room. I actually saw she and your former Monkey Club co-host Christian Larson. The two of them wanted me to watch the room. Uh so when we were all hanging out in college, we all went over to Larson's house and we watched the room, except <laughs> got in a big fight and went upstairs and didn't watch it with us. So it was me and two other people who had never seen the movie watching it in the basement, were like, This is dumb. We don't get it. We had nobody there to like say why it, you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. it was yeah. like it'd been built up and then they left and were like, Oh, huh. So that's weird. But anyway, be on the next episode she wanted to do this one as well but we gave her the next one because a you already had claims on this and b uh she is a professional gymnast and that makes more sense to do on the greatest showman episode so i just uh i want to say it does make a lot more one of my
2: goals i mean i know some some shows are done now but one of my goals as a cage club universe member as the Hawkeye of the expanded universe, perhaps, is I want to get on every show at least once. And that is one. We can make that happen. That is one show. Their show is one I I really want to get on.
0: I mean, you can't get on Shia because Shia's done. I'm glad that I got on Monkey Club. I mean, I was, uh, because Monkey Club's done. RIPD. There are very few that are done, done, done. Shia will
2: be back. Do you think he'll never make another movie?
0: Well, Shia made another movie. He made made American Honey, but we we did not because the the point of that podcast was only to watch the movies that he watched on All My Movies, that marathon that he sat through in New York. We had a shit on Chris R's dream over here.
2: I'll you know, do what Nico wants to do for the episodes of Now and Again that he's not on, where he just makes a commentary talking about the episode.
0: I <laughs> just still think it's the best idea. It's the best idea.
2: We can just—I'll just edit myself. I'll splice myself in
0: to find all seventeen podcasts. Or eighteen podcasts, whatever it is, on our network. So, Chris, how many have you been on? You've been on Cage. You've Keanu. been on Keanu. You've been on now and again, obviously. You've been on Monkey Club. You've been on this one scheduled
2: you know. for. We're, we're going to
0: count Watch a Throne yeah. because that one you'll be on shortly. So that's six.
2: Um, is that it? That might be it.
0: Have you been on Wistful Thinking yet, or no?
2: No, I have not. We, you know, we planned to, and it just never, it never happened.
0: But the other problem is that uh, P.S. I Love Hoffman is winding down. They only have a couple episodes left, and I think they might have recorded most of them already. So oh, rip. Uh-oh.
1: uh you will definitely be able to join us on too fast too forever probably multiple times to be honest because yep. i want
2: to uh i want to get on boyfriend material was. that's for sure
0: so anyway go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash cage club at cage club pod on twitter find all of our shows, all the shows that Chris has either been on or will be on now or in the future, now and again. Thank you, Chris, for joining us on this episode. Thank you, Chris! I hope you enjoyed your first Zac Efron experience. First Zac attack.
2: I enjoyed being attacked by the Zac.
0: I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Chris Mattiello, and we'll see you next time on Zac Tech.
3: The rhythm of the night The night Oh, yeah The rhythm of the night. this is the rhythm of my life, my life, oh yeah, the rhythm of my life.